Okay, everybody, welcome to No One Will Be Seated. I'm Jason. And I'm Fred. And that was the most low-key intro I think I've done. Super low energy. It's okay. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not often that we do two of these, uh, like, in a row. I mean, I guess separated by day, but. Yeah. Everybody talks about how podcasting is just you grab a microphone and talk, but man, it's it's draining. It does. It drains you. I'm tired at the end of the night when we do this. Of course. Part of that, the reason is, is it actually does become like a day log event. I was yeah. actually going to like congratulate you a while back when we were going to get started and say, hey, like we agreed we were going to start at two. It's like almost three. We're ready to go. Let's do this. This is the <laughs> most efficient we've been. And now it's after five and I can't do that anymore because now I we're know. back on our two hour delay thing. <laughs> I know. Like our, our text message this morning was like, hey, we're still recording today, right? Yeah. To work. Yep. That works great. <laughs> and then we were already cursing ourselves by coming in a half hour late, but it was like, okay, but that's not the worst in, that's in the world. Not, like, that's okay. No, I was happy with that. I was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're on fire today. And, and, um, yeah, yeah. Although I would like to say a little BTS action out there. I, uh, I am still wearing the same clothes I was last night when we recorded the last episode. So, um, I would go. say the same, but I've, I mean, it's pajama bottoms. So come and get me ladies. <laughs> we're continuing our examination uh, of all of the star wars films we are just over halfway through it now we've gone uh we've gone through the prequel area era we've gone through the weird in between the middle bits. era the newest movies and now we're into the original trilogy and this is where like i'm super excited but for like a different reason like last episode it was all about hey like i read catalyst i know how this stuff connects let's look at all these easter eggs and this time it's just like, it's all just feeling. It's all nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, because like, whereas like the prequels might have been maybe what I grew up with to some extent, this is, uh, this is your era. Yeah, um, Star Wars was the first movie I ever saw. Uh, yeah. I still have very fond memories of that specific screening, uh, which is awesome because I can't remember a lot of things in life anymore. No, no, there's uh, a lot of like childhood shit that I'm like, that's a blank spot, but there's yeah. good ones. Yeah, but I I very specifically remember this. It was uh, it was in Seattle. I went with my uncle. Um, it was one of those theaters that still had the curtains over the screen, mm-hmm. and the curtains would go back. Oops, the curtains would go back. You know when uh, it would start. And I remember we were just kind of talking. It was quiet. It was dark. And then all of a sudden, the sound kicked in, and the curtains went back. And I jumped and like screamed, and then I giggled for like a minute and a half. And my <laughs> uncle kept going, "Settle down," because I was probably. I was probably like four or five, you know, it's got that special place in my heart, but star Wars in particular, like star Wars absolutely was my childhood. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm of that era that, you know, we played outside during recess. Everybody was playing the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the prison corridor scene, you know, we were having shootouts with, uh, you know, stormtroopers. There was three, Han Solos and four Luke Skywalkers and you know it was just it's like it's such a bright bright spot in my childhood that it's makes me gooey thinking about uh, that we're gonna watch it so I was I was gonna ask actually I was thinking about this um the other night so when you would do that would you be a Luke Skywalker or would you be a Han Solo um I was Han Solo okay um in fact I remember being in daycare like after school playing in the 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 backyard you know whatever area and we were playing that scene and i remember like 
like yelling to like another dude. I I yelled, "He's the brain, sweetheart." <laughs> or I was yelling to I was yelling to a girl who was playing Princess Leia, but I yelled the the you know, "He's the brain, sweetheart." And I remember getting yelled at <laughs> by one of the teachers. Hey, let's not. And I was like, I remember that specifically. And I was like, what? It's Han Solo. What are I you know, yelling like at me a, for? As, as a kid, you don't understand why they're yelling. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of no, even now. Thing. I'm kind of like. Okay, I guess maybe, but I mean, it's Han Solo. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's like you would almost hope that the teachers were a little bit more hip, but I don't know. Yeah, they didn't get it. No, I, I think it it helped as well. Like I, I maybe have left uh, had less of this growing up, but there was always a thing of like just thinking maybe your parent or your your teachers just left in the schools, right? And uh, I don't <laughs> right. know. Some of some of the teachers growing up definitely lent that impression. Yeah. Um. So you like we watched this a ton when you were like super young. Yes. Like really young enough. I think I mentioned before when we watched episode f- uh, one in the theater, like you recognized Yoda and got really excited. Yeah. And you weren't that old when episode one came out. So we no, I, I would like, been, I think like four almost. Yeah, it was like Star Wars and like Star Trek The Next Generation. We like watched hours a day of basically. Yeah almost on repeat on the old VHS. Yeah. Like I remember watching first contact so many times. Yeah. Yeah. So like, did you have similar experiences growing up? Like, were you guys playing star Wars on the, Oh, absolutely. On the Um, playground. If, if not on the playground, at least like whenever it would be my cousins. And I, like I said, uh, I think during the prequels, like one of our big things, anytime that there was, uh, us going over to my aunt's house or something for the night would be everybody would sit down. We would just marathon all the star Wars movies again. Right. So, you know, before um, the prequels started picking up steam and stuff, we would definitely do, it would be like uh, Luke and Han. And then after the, the prequels, I think he would just kind of blend the eras. And so you would right. get like, uh, I think someone would always be Anakin. Uh, someone would always be Han. And then I think usually one person would either be Obi-Wan or Luke. I think it was more frequently Luke than Obi-Wan. Right. Um, but yeah, we absolutely had that. Or we would mix them because that was about the same time for us as well as when like Lord of the Rings started getting big. So you would get like just we sure we played a, a game where you would just draw from every major property that you could and uh try and blend all those together. But right. definitely right. had some similar stuff. Oh, that's so much fun. I I love that interdire- intergenerational kind of thing. Yeah. You know, there's very few things that you can say that there was an article that just came out that I was thinking of you um, that I just read where it was talking about um, <laughs> Mystery Science Theater, if it truly like brought like sons and fathers together. Uh, yeah, I would say so. And I was thinking about the fact that like the three of us, you and and Mike and I like have seen probably almost all of the Mystery Science Theaters. Yeah. And riff tracks and everything else since, you know. Yeah, yeah, we've seen a good number of the Rift Tracks lives together. Yep, it's like you were literally babies. Like, I remember, you know, watching Mystery Science Theater when you were gestating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought, well, yeah, there are a few things that do that. Star Wars is one of those things. Yeah, I think that's something that I tried to get to um, a couple episodes ago about uh, what the next, like, intergenerational thing was and how it doesn't really seem like there is one between, like, millennial and z like again maybe harry potter but i'm not sure yeah i think th- i think we were um talking about that like episode one or two i think because yeah. i had kind of said harry potter and you're like yeah but that doesn't really 
that's not really it doesn't something yeah that it doesn't translate the same like i know there's right. kids who are reading that in the elementary school that i work at but not a ton you know like right you'll you'll see a lot more uh honestly i see a lot of dog man which is kind of weird because it's the same guy who i guess wrote uh captain underpants and i remember reading that okay. in like grade school right but i don't really see like uh there's some there's definitely like some star wars stuff but i see a lot more fortnite than anything else yeah yeah i don't know you know i mean marvel stuff yeah um, you know kind of is where you have you know very much you have comic books at least that yeah which i know. guess that could definitely be it right like going from um yeah. even the the original x-men animated series sure uh into then the live action x-men series from later 90s early 2000s into modern day marvel or even like uh spider-man out of uh 2001 2002 i can't remember which year that one was right with sam raimi into the modern day takes on uh on comic book heroes right absolutely yeah so i think i mentioned before like i i thought I was really special for a long time that like the internet killed this, but um, I had a copy of like one of the early drafts of star Wars mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up, like, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those that, that listed um, the adventures of Luke star, star killer is taken yes. from the journal of the wills. And then it was like saga one, the star Wars. Yeah. And uh, you know, that was always my big thing is I would, you know, go to people and say, you know, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, oh, you were, what? you know, nobody had heard that. that. Now in the day of the internet, everybody knows that. But back in the day, I was like, I was very proud of that fact. And I knew of the um, deleted scenes because they were in the script. There's some bit that we'll talk about that uh, got cut out from Tatooine. Mm -hmm. um, that might be about it that I can think of. But like, I knew, uh, you know, his stuff with Biggs and I knew that he had seen the, the space battle from the, from um, Anchorhead, I believe they were at and stuff like that. And people were blown away because they had no idea, but you know, now everybody knows that stuff and I don't feel nearly as special as, as I did before, but <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, so I've got a little bit of trivia this time, not as much. I thought we'd kind of roll with it. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, take it as it comes. Take it as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. I don't really have anything else except to like there is like there's there's a few slower parts in this. I think we can talk about, um, you know, some of this other stuff, especially on Tatooine and that kind of jazz. Mm -hmm. um, I'll try not to jump in too much, but. But yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go uh, with our full length <laughs> with our full with our full length commentaries. Of course, you can um, we'll, we'll give it like kind of like a sync up countdown. Mm -hmm. um if you want to play your own copy of the movie uh, along with us if you just want to listen to us talk fantastic thank you for listening um but uh yeah let's head over to the theater and we can get started yeah so we're starting at the uh, at the beginning it's just before um the 20th century fox fanfare i guess it's gonna be really exciting to hear again i know it's gonna be great going from like a couple episodes without that and back into it yeah it's the greatest and fanfare ever then we're gonna lose it again yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so we're gonna count down and then we'll start and and 
uh, go from there. Do you want to do it this week? You know, here's the funny thing is we did this thing yesterday and yeah. I already forgot everything. You did? Oh, so much of it. I, like I said, I can't remember who did the countdown. I, I think it was me because I remember ribbing you, but I think me ribbing you got cut out because we fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I actually started <laughs> I actually started playing this movie instead of the one we were instead of Rogue One. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oops. <laughs> um. All right. Well, let me just do it. OK, we're good to go. So I'll do three, two, one, go. And okay. then we'll start on go. Got it on go. All right. Let's do this. Let's do three, two, one go so we have one two three three. fanfare and yeah fanfare 20th century fox logo uh the greatest fanfare in the universe it's it's pretty high well i don't know i'm pretty i'm pretty uh partial to our fanfare yeah me too but not quite like this i'm not sure that this gives people goosebumps yeah uh, that's fair quite like (laughs) i i think ours just makes me extremely giddy yeah and then, boom, there it is. Now, originally in 19, uh, uh, when this came out in 1977, it did not say Episode 4, New Hope. It just literally went Star Wars and then The Crawl. Yeah. Uh, the Crawl was originally like six paragraphs long. Right, yeah. I think you mentioned this was, back during uh, Episode 1. Yep, was ridiculous. Um, Brian De Palma, who was a friend of George Lucas, um, was giving him a bunch of shit about Star Wars and was basically like, you know, stuff like what's this force shit and like why didn't uh why doesn't you know why isn't there a bunch of blood when you shoot people and basically like really mocking him and and uh, uh i think his wife marcia had kind of indicated to brian de palma like he really respects you and in order to uh you know kind of make the peace de palma took the crawl and like rewrote it as four sentences and that's here's the thing though is i've got now those questions are important things to ask though right and like that's where we get some of this stuff that on the one hand, feels a little hand wavy, but it does like okay. Well, no, people don't bleed because the lasers are super hot, and it just cauterizes right. shit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. So that's kind of the that's you know, and, and he of course you know he's doing the he always wanted to do the crawl because it's he wanted to do his take on like the Flash Gordon serials. Yeah. Which would kind of have that weekly crawl, and and that's kind of where the infamous wipes come from as well is to make it look like that Saturday morning serial adventure. I wonder if someday as a bonus or something, we should uh, cover one of those. Yeah, we should. Because I don't think I've ever watched one of the like original serials. Like For me, Flash Gordon was almost entirely either like the animated one or uh, I guess the movie. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, the effects guys uh, wearing, I think it was, was it Dykstra worrying that people would think this was a model and, and laugh at it? Yeah. Which not realizing that this was going to be one of the most iconic, like 15 seconds in cinema history. Yeah. That's the thing is, I mean, my, my, um, I guess my, my main reference to star Wars is almost entirely the special edition. And I can never remember what all has necessarily changed or been touched up for it, you know? Right. But I, I remember for sure as a kid, never like, having the concept that, oh yeah, these are models or anything. It's just like, oh no, that looks like a spaceship to me. Like it, yeah. it looks like it's a thing that's actually in, in space. And it's, you know, it, this is such a, such a good opening. Yes. You know, we, I mean, you know, forget about the fact that we're like opening a movie with droids 
which is like kind of a bold choice per se. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not really any human dialogue for quite a while, but just this whole like couple of minutes like sets up the entire thing. Oh yeah. You know, this is where I think the lack of money and, and, ex- and even experience, you know, that this movie was really hard to make and was like a rebellion um, really pays off. Like it's just real quick, you know? Yeah. And we immediately know like there's some shit going down. Uh, these guys aren't to be messed with. Yeah. Well, and it's nice cause it's like, we we're immediately like, okay, we, we can kind of gather that. Okay. These are the good guys. That's, the group that's all in one uniform and looking pretty similar, those probably are the, the bad guys. You right. Know, you get a pretty good idea of like what side you're supposed to be rooting for. Yeah. This is what I was talking about though. Um, I think it was last episode when, you know, when they went in and animated the lasers, like you would be shooting down a hallway, but lasers would still be going across the screen. Yeah. Like what is that? That. Yeah. Like they hadn't right quite figured out how to animate that. Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely some bits where it might not look great in later movies. Um, I think that's when we had mentioned it in uh, Solo, uh, about the, the yes. laser drawing. And even in Solo, there's some moments where it's like, I'm not sure what exactly is happening here. Yeah. Or what you're supposed to be shooting at. But, I don't know, I never bugged I me when ca- I was growing up. I do kind of like this, um, if you take this in, in um, context of Rogue One, how, like, Vader and Rogue One, like, went down the hallway himself and wrecked shop, and here he's like, you guys deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, why bother? Uh, I'll just let you guys handle the dirty work. Yeah, exactly. It is fun going from Rogue One to this, where he's got a lot of just like haggard old dad mannerisms. Yeah, and then right. in Rogue One is like we just saw him like wreck shop down a hallway. Yeah, totally. Just saw you one know, dude it, uh, trip and eat shit. Right. <laughs> you know, and there's like such mystery around this too. Yeah, you know, a lot of this spawns from the fact that we've never seen anything like this before oh yeah you know but immediately audiences are like you know who is she what is what's happening yeah well because um you know there's from my understanding before uh star wars like science fiction in theaters was kind of a risk well the biggest i mean not uh, not the biggest but like the main you know thing in town was 2001 at this point right you know oh rip uh captain antilles yeah i don't know those Um, antilles they got they've uh for such a big name some of them go out real quick (laughs) well i love this because like this is the scary part of vader right right like this dude just walked in and picked this guy up by the throat and killed him yeah it's like i you know and, and i wonder like these stormtroopers if like ones like TK four two nine going. Did you see that? He just picked that guy up, right? He and just picked him up, snapped his neck, is, and threw him. Yeah, you have to kind of wonder if this is just like a normal thing for them to encounter. You know, uh, if if they commonly walk down into a hallway and he's just like, oh, he's just got another dude by the throat again. Right. This just happens sometimes. I love this because it's like they stun her and like she's all right. Do this, and somebody's like, Alan's dead. She just shot Alan in the chest. <laughs> And nobody seems to care. Well, I mean, on the plus side, they're they're pretty disposable, it seems. <laughs> it's yeah, it's the faceless stormtroopers. Yeah. Uh, so, like I told you, I just started watching Rebels last night. Yeah, and uh, was not thrilled the first time that R two and three PO wind up on screen again. It was a moment of, just, of me just being like, seriously, again, we got to introduce them again. 
Yeah, but I kind of like where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the thing is by the end of that episode, I was turned around on him a little bit. But at the start, I was just kind of like, I don't need these guys to be instrumental to this plot. Uh, Carrie Fisher was uh, going to school in London, I believe, at the time. She had a little bit of an English accent going. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my understanding is, is that's why she's kind of got a weird English accent through part of this, is that she had been living in London at the time. Uh, I've seen some people say that um, she couldn't decide, uh, you know, one minute she's supposed to have it, and the next she's she's not. I think it's just like a natural thing as opposed to like an acting type of thing but right i mean that, i love that how ang- i love how angry he is in this yeah oh uh, let's see do we want to talk about uh what's his name prouse now or later um we can talk about it now if you want okay i just figured it would be a thing that you would want to address i don't know or if there's really much to say about him. I mean, from my understanding, like, he was extremely pissed that they uh, redubbed his voice. But it's very clear, like, James Earl Jones is the better choice here. Well, yeah, so so here's the thing with David Prowse is he's, like, has a little higher-pitched voice, and it's very British. Is it British or uh, Scottish? Um, Scottish, I guess, by British, I just kind of was, like, You're just, like, of, of that region. Y- yeah, yeah. Of the foreign lands. Uh, I'm kind of... Yeah, I'm kind of being an ignorant American when I say that. Um, but like, yeah, they brought in James Earl Jones and it just like fit. It was like this booming, you know, but it, it, but <laughs> James Earl Jones, I don't think is even credited in this one. Oh, really? Or or wasn't and, initially. Because uh, I, I know at least online he is, but of course he'd be credited online. Yeah, I think it was added later. I think originally he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Prowse was pissed because he thought he'd done lines. And didn't realize that his voice wasn't going to be in it. Yeah. And um, it, it became really pissed off and really like took like ownership of the character of Darth Vader. Right. Like really took ownership and really butted heads with George um, because he didn't feel like he was getting the recognition you Which know, is that fair, he deserved. To and, some extent, and, right? Like, yeah, a little really bit about the actual um, actor behind Vader at that point. Yeah, yeah. I can get it, but. Like, from my understanding, sometimes he got, like, really unreasonable about it. Yes. And I can't speak to that, obviously, myself, but I know that they really had a falling out. There was an issue of him, like, spoiling some stuff in, um, I think it was Empire. Yeah. That really pissed people off. And then, like, a lot, apparently, there was, like, people were really starting to shun him when it came to, like, Jedi and stuff. And, uh, you know, George didn't care for him. And, and basically to the point where it was, like, is there any reason really why they had kept a falling him out with from, uh, like, for Empire or something? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that they could have got somebody else to wear the suit. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about that. Although, I, you really don't. It's kind of like, um, this is for another time, another another episode. But, like, you know, Bob Shea from New Line decided in Freddy, or Nightmare on Elm Street 2 that they didn't need Robert England. Mm-hmm. And it looks stupid yeah. when they brought somebody else in. And it's kind of the same thing. Like you want that actor that, you know, I mean, he, he does, I mean, he does act, y- you know, those mannerisms, those movements of Vader are him. Yes. It's, you know, it's just not the voice, but, but yeah, I, I, I um, 
he got to the point where he was like touring on his own, like doing autographs and stuff. And I remember I had an autograph from him mm-hmm. uh, when I was about six or seven. There was a picture of, of there was a, a picture of Vader and then it was a picture of him um, Prowse himself, like practicing fencing. Yeah. In preparation of, of that. And it set up in the corner. It was like, you know, to Jason, David Prowse is Darth Vader. Ah. And and I always like I never knew that story, but I always thought that was kind of weird. And then I found out later on that that's how he signed all of his stuff, because um, uh, apparently like during like um, promotion for the movies and stuff like there'd be another actor that would show up at promotions. Right. For Vader. And he was like, no, I am Darth Vader, not any of these other schlubs. Like, yeah. And it just you know, and, seems- and got real like, you know real uh real possessive yeah he seems like the type that is uh would would refer to himself as an actor right that kind of uh i don't know theater dick yeah 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 uh let's see first introduction of the jawas who i the jawas instantly Like I've said before, I really want to be friends with the Jawa. They seem like they'd be like super dope people. They're goofy. Look, they just they know how to party. <laughs> they are they are goofy. Uh so we yeah, so we're on Tatooine. Uh Tatooine was a uh the name of a city in Tunis, Tunisia, Tunis. Mm-hmm. Uh name of a city in Tunisia. Um, that they basically like spelled differently and uh, made it the planet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the the sand crawlers. They were always like just such a cool look to me. I mean, yeah, I like how that's um, they're like reversed iron, but that's okay, right? <laughs> I like how they're sh- how they've shown up in um in more recent stuff too. It's 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 pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was talking earlier about the Journal of the Wills, uh, the Wills being the kind of the spiritual like guardians of the galaxy, uh, that uh, the original idea was all of these would be basically a retelling of, uh, of these events, like, uh, like from a book that we would never see kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it was originally, uh, it was early drafts, it was... Um, the story of uh, a Jedi Bendu um, named Mace Windy <laughs> <laughs> and his apprentice CJ Thorpe, well, I believe his name was. That's a name. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Like when you look back at these early drafts that Lucas did and all the stuff that ends up coming back, like the Bendu is in like later se- seasons of Rebels. Right. And is very attached to the force. Uh, the Jedi Bendu were originally guardians of the Emperor. Okay. Um, until the Knights of the Sith killed them for the new empire. Okay. Uh, here, the heroes used to be Anakin. Um, uh, it, he had a, a father named Cain and a brother named Deke, I think. Um, they go and see after the, uh, the empire comes, the father takes, uh, Deke is killed. The father takes Anakin to general Luke Skywalker, who, uh, he wants to train. He, the father wants him to train Anakin as a Jedi. Han Solo was a green alien and was like a friend of uh, Kane. Princess Leia was like the daughter of uh, uh, the planet's king. Okay. Uh, 
Dar- uh, Vader was a human imperial genera- a general who clears the way for Valor- Valorum, who's a knight of the Sith. See, so there's there's a lot of like names that that keep yeah. getting brought up, but then it's like a lot of the the story beats when it just like a lot of that got completely tossed. Right, uh, Valorum changes allegiances from bad to good when he sees Luke tortured at the hands of Vader. There's like a big chase scene where the crew hides in an asteroid field and then makes an emergency landing on the forest, forest planet of Yavin, okay. where they meet giant Wookiees. The Wookiees are the ones who end up uh, destroying the giant mobile fortress and one-man fighters, and Leia is named Queen and Anakin, her lord protector. Okay, so I can, but, I can see like bits and pieces that then got repurposed yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, it starts. It definitely starts coming together. But you know, all of like it was interesting to see these iterations that come up, and he he would show them to, uh, you know, friends and and you know partners and stuff, and they would be like, eh, you know, let's go with this and this, and then it would start taking shape. I think there was four drafts. I think before it really became the story that we know. Which man, it's a good thing he didn't get like overly attached to those ideas, like some writers tend to. Right. Uh, yeah, so one thing I can say about him is, you know, he 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 was flexible enough that, you know, he found the story that needed to be told. Yeah. Uh, I love this, like, Jawa swap meet. Yes, and I love all these little droids that come out. Yeah, yeah. And again, this was just, like, s- stuff that you just hadn't seen before. I'm going to say that a lot, but. Yeah, but I mean, it remains true. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're talking. I mean, I was. I mean, I was really young. Well, you were too. But when this stuff didn't really exist in cinema yet, yeah, it was just like people were just holy crap. Look at this. And uh, Uncle Owen, who has not aged well. No, neither is. <laughs> considering uh, there was, neither is Aunt Beru. Here's Aunt Beru, who hasn't either. Gonk droid. Um, this is this takes place. I think 19 years after. Um, Episode three. It's just that desert living, you know, like all that sun and wind. Uh, I love them picking the uh, that little like R five droid or whatever uh, first, and then having that die and swapping out to the R two. Right. Yeah, I like that. There was like a fan theory a while back that like it was force sensitive and could see the future, so it sacrificed itself. <laughs> Like, I always like the idea of R2 having uh, fucked with it beforehand. Oh, yeah. You speak bocce? And, you know, I know a ton of people have said this before. I'm not rehashing any new ground, but I love how used this world is. Yes. Yeah. How dirty it is. Well, and I love, like, seeing how, like, even C-3P is not this, like, completely shiny thing. There's, like, little bits of, like, tarnishing and everything on, uh, on a surface. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's everything's scratched and, you know, and dirty and dented. And, right. Yeah. I wonder what that big, like bulbous black droid deal is. I don't know. I've always wondered that. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia entry in there that. Yeah. And the Jawas. Nobody's ever seen what's under those hoods. Yeah. That's never been like explored at all anywhere. It probably looks like just absolutely monstrous back there. Yeah, probably. Right, they're, they're, they're like super cute now. Yeah, and then underneath they've got like just a mouthful of like extremely sharp teeth. I love that when he when that uh, Jawa like throws his hands up like what? Yeah. 
No return, sorry. <laughs> I, I I like how these uh Jalav can manage to uh carve out their own their own role in the uh in the desert. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Baker, I think, got paid four thousand. Yeah, not nearly to play enough. R two D two and with no royalties, especially given the. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine being trapped in that thing in this yep. weather. Um, that's the T sixteen that um, the Skyhopper that Luke says uh, that he bullseyes Womp Rats with. It's also your training vehicle in uh, Rogue Squadron two. That's that's right. I remember that. Where you could also go through and you could find a bunch of little like landmarks like that great dragon uh, skeleton from uh, a little while ago would be in the desert. That's right. The great dragon skeleton that is still in the desert to this day. Yeah. You can you can actually go to Tunisia and go into the desert and, and look at it. People, uh, I've seen people go and take pieces off of it, which is really disappointing. Out, but, yeah, there's got to yeah. be some. uh Somebody's probably making like a just bank doing uh tours, tours of, of all the, the yeah. set locations. And if not, then they're tossing some industry away. He's scrubbing like carbon scoring off. You know, it's all dirty. Like this is a universe that just that goes on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is nice, you know, since you've had other franchises up to this point star trek and stuff that are very clean typically and yeah like this is definitely like the proto like uh firefly or even yeah, aliens I, so. I mean even in uh alien like everything is just so like dirty and lived in i think i think this might do you feel like this might have been the start of that trend in sci-fi yes i absolutely do yeah yeah I, i'd like to think and, and don't quote me on this but i i would like to think that some of that aesthetic and alien is is from here it's funny because um uh i think there's some isn't there some stories from is it is it alien or uh, one of them that got filmed in london that they really had difficulties with because of the english crew yeah i think that might have been that might have been either it was either alien or aliens i can't remember which yeah I think it, it might have been, been aliens. aliens yeah i think it was aliens but uh that was possibly really scott probably wouldn't have had a huge issue. Yeah, this was um this was shot the the studio work was done in London and, mm-hmm. and the the British crews hated Lucas and hated the production and really made life rough on them. You suppose it was for the same reason of not not respecting tea time. Well yeah, that was the thing is like, you know, they you know, they were unionized and it was like two tea breaks a day and they were shut down promptly at five thirty. Um, unless the crew voted to go on another 15 minutes and, you know, at the end of the day, Lucas always wanted to go another 15 minutes and they would obviously vote him down. Yeah. You know, they were very like, you know, Lucas and, and it doesn't help. It didn't help that like Lucas wasn't very experienced either. Yes. You know, there's a lot of stories from this movie about how difficult he was because he was very kind of timid and he didn't quite know what he wanted and he's obviously you know he's never been a really great actor's director yeah but that really came through here you know um alec guinness was really unhappy with his part and the dialogue and the experience and uh any, at least at first any reason for being unhappy with like his his part and whatnot 
Um, a lot of it was like just the the set in general and the story, and he, you know, like I said, he Lucas wasn't uh, really wasn't get great at directions. Like he put in his diary, I think, at one point that it it didn't hurt help that like Harrison Ford called him the Mother Superior, <laughs> and you know he he wasn't like super keen on taking the part anyway right i i guess um you know even anthony daniels who's become like he is the face of star wars yeah like initially thought the film was rubbish right you know and, and it's tough because a lot you know a lot of the cast didn't believe in it even i was gonna say i wonder time. how many of them were just in it because they're like it's a paycheck not expecting it to become yeah. like the one of the biggest things to hit sci-fi because to be fair, it doesn't, it, by all means, it doesn't look like it should, right? It's, it's right. like, uh, and I mean, part of this is coming from a time where it's, it's normalized, but, you know, it, for the most part, it feels like it's just like, you know, it's just a sci-fi thing, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they, you know, I know, I think one of the things with Star Wars, too, is that the bait that still goes on this day is it's not strict sci-fi, it's really a fantasy. Well, but I think that's probably where, where sci-fi finds a lot of its strengths is whenever it is combined with, with fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's not just straight. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got it's like a, a lot of that mythological, yeah. you know, King Arthur type. Yeah. It's, it's just like a, a, a fantasy novel aged way up. Yeah. You take some, you take some sci-fi, you mix in some Arthurian legend and a lot of samurai. Yeah. A uh, lot of stuff. In there. I guess, um, and, if you take some of, uh, Oh, there's one of Kurosawa's films that if you took it and uh, you could match up almost like frame by frame or, or scene by scene with uh, how some of the things look. Some of it, yeah. Which is great. That's a yeah, huge reason it, why we've and, got Kurosawa like in one of our later films that we're covering. Yep. You know, the only thing that, that bothers me with this whole thing, and it's not this movie, it's it's actually, again, the the prequels and stuff is the fact that there's this mystery around his dad. Yeah. And, you know, Owen knows his dad and knows, you know, there, there, it seems like there's much more of a relationship. Yes. With Owen and Anakin, uh, than there actually ended up being. Yeah. And almost to the fact where it sounds, you know, in this it's, and, I mean, they never say, but it almost seems like, like Anakin is his brother. Right. You know, at least that's how I always felt growing up that. You know, it was Uncle Owen. Yeah. And, you know, that Anakin was his brother and, you know, it, it got involved in whatever and whatever adventures. And he was, you know, making sure Luke didn't follow that, you know, that path or whatever. And and I guess it didn't end up anything like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it kind of be- betrays the... uh you know, betrays the original story a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Is that a little, like, hood ornament sitting right there? On top of that speeder? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just kind of fun. Um, I guess we should say, you know, we should mention we kind of passed it. Uh, that freaking iconic shot of him looking over the horizon. Yeah, with that swell in the score. And, yeah, John Williams' music that, I mean, dear God. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. I like have so much of a part in how like this succeeded, right? Like the emotional uh, pulls that John Williams manages to to secure. I definitely feel like John Williams set the bar as far as film scores go. And, right. and I'm not naive enough to think that there weren't 
movies where film scores, you know, defined it. But I feel like as far as my life goes, this is what. It's definitely like the, the earliest the one that I, I can think of. That's like a major score. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I want to say that Lucas said a while back at a, uh, theater owner conference that like sound is 50% or a movie is 50% sound, mm-hmm. which is absolutely true. And the music does just as much as, as the visuals, I think, if not more. Yeah. And, you know, to me, this movie wouldn't, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like with different music, you know? Yeah. Well, like, just think if, um, just to pull like that blue harvest joke, like think if, uh, Danny Elfman were to do the music. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's one of my favorite bits. Um, some of the, the, uh, the uh, the long shots of Luke and the speeder are not actually Mark Hamill because he had flipped his car at that point. Right. Had his infamous uh, a car accident. I uh, guess we just passed him, but I love the uh, looks of the sand people and the sound design on them. Yep. As well as uh, Bantha's. Bantha's look so great. Yeah, they brought elephants into the desert and put stuff on them. <laughs> yeah, which is a thing I don't I don't necessarily think you'd be That's able to pull insane. off today. I, I definitely think like the ASPCA or something might have an issue. Yeah, for sure. But I mean it's just like when you think about that, it's like you guys brought elephants into the desert and dressed them up as bantas. Like that's insane. Yeah, that is definitely a uh step above normal. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being a kid and being scared crapless over this. Oh, absolutely. When I was young, I was like, I was terrified of Tusken Raiders. Well, yeah, I mean, they're these terrifying things. I mean, they make weird noises. They look just truly alien and like yeah. all the little like metal bits coming out of their, uh, their outfits, like makes them look like almost slightly demonic or something. It's great. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not going to make as big of a deal as I could about this because it's been so overdone, but the addition of the rocks in the, uh, Blu-ray versions of, and this. Yeah, that, and, um, the, uh... the addition of the rocks, him hiding behind that were digitally added is unnecessary. And that crate dragon scream is such an offense. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> the original crate dragon scream is so good. Yes. It is so good. They, he changed it again for the special edition a bit, and then he changed it to this. And I just, I, this is one of those things where I just don't understand why. And, and I don't have to understand why. It's not mine. It's his. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and that certainly brings into a debate of, like, who owns it, you know, the audience or the creator. Right. But it's just, like, it's just so it's so silly and so unnecessary. It just kind of detracts from that scene. Like even the special edition one still makes it into this, like, Oh, what the fuck's going on here? And then that's just kind of like, it feels goofy. And I wonder if part of that's yeah. from like, just having it feel so alien to me personally. I don't know if somebody who grew up watching this version would feel different, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they really went after Alec Guinness hard for this. Yeah. Uh, they paid him $150,000, which is the salary that Lucas was getting for writing and directing. Which, I mean, you compare that to what uh, uh, Baker got, and it's like, oof. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he got one hundred fifty k, and Gary Kurtz, uh, the producer, uh, gave him 2% of his uh, profit points. Mm-hmm. 
for it. Uh, from what I remember, I don't think initially he wanted to do it, but like, uh, but like, uh, Lucas had told him Lucas or, or Kurtz, one of the two had told him it was, it was basically Gandalf. Right. Uh, cause there's a lot of Lord of the Rings, like parallels to this. Oh, sure. Um, you know, and he kind of, ex- you know, explained the character to him and, and he was like, uh, okay, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I need to look more cause I don't quite know how he felt about the character after a new hope. You know, because he was like he wasn't super thrilled about it, and and I know in his diary he was really pissed because Lucas kept going back and forth on whether or not Obi Wan was actually going to die. Yeah, like apparently deep into production, and in his diary he was like, "This should have been decided already at this point. Like we're past that point." Yeah, <laughs> and he was really frustrated. Uh, Harrison Ford um, said uh, that there were two types of direction you would get from Lucas, and one was do it again, only better. And faster and more intense. Right. Yeah, which isn't, <laughs> so, isn't helpful at all. Yeah, there was a bit um, with, uh, with Harrison Ford where he was doing, uh, they were recording or doing lines or something or, you know, filming. And he looked at George and said, you can type this shit on the page, but you can't say it. Yeah. You know, basically saying this is. Yeah, which is, this, is this an is issue <laughs> with a lot of, it seems, people with dialogue, right, is it feels if you were to actually try and say it out loud entirely alien. Yeah. Yeah. But once again, you know, we've mentioned this in, uh, in some of the other, in the prequel stuff, especially, but you had people like Harrison Ford who was willing to go, George, no, yeah, this is not, no, we we're changing this where when you got to the point of the prequels, he was so revered and so godlike, like nobody would say no to him. Yeah. They were just like, okay, I'll just read it just like the page, you know? Yeah, which definitely um it hurts some of the uh the prequel work for sure. Yeah. I you know, I love this scene with with Alec Guinness where he's talking about Anakin. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't necessarily know if you figure the Clone Wars TV series into it, you get a bit more of a sense of like their bonding and their friendship and, you know, yeah. the sense of what kind of a warrior Anakin was, et cetera, because you don't really see that. No, you, know, you get a movies, little bit of the but... bonding and friendship uh, towards um, the start of episode three. But yep. uh, episode two, it's like anything out of this one, you can just kind of toss. Yeah, I love this. He almost takes Obi-Wan's face off with that. Yeah. <laughs> I always have loved as well that that like brief uh that brief cut there as well from when the uh, effect does come in. I still think in this, in, in episode four, they still didn't quite get the lightsabers, right? No, no, there's, there's, which is weird. Yeah. Considering, you know what they could go back and fix. It was weird that they didn't, uh, some of the stuff they kind of changed up a little bit, but I love Alec Guinness's acting here. Yes. I do really feel like there is some pain behind what he's saying when he's remembering the the empire and the jedi order and and i considering that at this point there was nothing yeah right there was no reference i love some of the uh, fan cuts that people have made cutting pieces of the films together where it's like his speech right now talking about anakin and the force and they go back and intercut with stuff that happens in the prequels Mm -hmm. and it fits perfectly and it's like alec guinness somehow just like he nailed it. Yeah. And you have to wonder if R2-D2 is like, dude, remember me? Right. That, <laughs> like, we had so many adventures together. That is the thing. Is I, could, I can maybe see Obi-Wan being like, look, all you droids look the same, but 
I don't know if maybe R2 feels the same way about humans. Yeah. There's no, like, that's the thing. And I guess you just kind of have to go, eh. I mean, it is what it is, but there's like no way he could have not known that that was R2-D2. Well, if you read the updated novelization, you'll see that they had a secret conversation off to the side where everyone's just like, <laughs> bruh, be chill. I like the idea that like R2-D2 is like this really foul-mouthed droid. Yeah. Uh, and like the idea of what he's saying like in the background. Like, you stupid assholes. <laughs> you know, here's the thing is watching Rebels, that's how I feel like Chopper is. Yeah. Is every time that Chopper's been on screen, I'm like, oh, you must be a vulgar monster. But yeah, nobody else is reacting like you I are. I love so. Chopper, especially as it goes. Yeah. Um, I was watching a video on uh, New Rockstars again. Eric Voss talks about this scene, and there's like some pretty hard cuts because they actually reordered the shots in this scene. Uh huh. Like, there's a scene where he's like stroking his beard, and then it shows him leaning forward. Yeah. And there was a bit where he actually doesn't talk about his dad in the Force until after he sees the hologram right and he says oh the force is this balance and then he leans in and says you know you should learn the force where they like rearrange this all and it looks so much better if you uh kind of put it back you know where it was but it's just one of those like uh strange decisions later on i guess yeah yeah it's a little bit jarring but i can't imagine any other way yeah like that's 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 su- that's like a such a super nitpick. Yeah, I mean it's it's not so egregious that I really notice it. I I have lately yeah. been a huge sucker for continuity stuff. Yeah, it's it's weird seeing uh, that Star Destroyer go so fast. They always seem so yeah. uh, slow and lumbering, and then it's just kind of like they might as well be the Millennium Falcon or something just coming in. Right. Uh, now you know seeing things. Uh, you know, of course, it couldn't have been at the time, but. Uh, now when it's, you know, pans around, you realize that one of those empty seats is Orson Krennic's. Mm-hmm. Probably the one, uh, the one facing the camera. I guess there's more than one. There's actually three empty seats, but one of them are, is Krennic's. <laughs> right. Yeah, That's considering how of, that just happened. Yep. Yeah, like, that just happened, like, within probably, a, well, I, I would imagine now at this point it's been a couple of days, but. Yeah. Um, it's kind of fun because in that, uh, oh, like illustrated posters guide or something that I sent you, uh, that I dug up on the, uh, internet archive, it brings up how in this scene, it's a demonstration of how, uh, Vader hates all humans. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Uh, it's just <laughs> like a little bit that, that speculation from before, like anybody had a little bit more detail on them. Yeah. I don't know. I like how um, even his suit here looks a little more used. Yeah. They've changed it up a little bit in the other movies. Uh, That was one thing about um, Rogue One is they had based his uh, costume on A New Hope. Right. Uh, Later on, I don't think the eyes are as red and the uh, I think you his uh, cape doesn't cover his shoulder pieces, I think, or something like that. Yeah, because I'm the. In that Illustrated Posters Guide, they also mention that, like, you can see his red eyes from behind the mask. Yeah. Which is another one of those just, like, weird things that's like, oh, I I genuinely wonder what you thought Darth Vader looked like underneath all of that at the time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing back then, too, right? Like, no, I mean, it's just this dude with this 
funky scuba breathing, this giant, like, mo- like Frankenstein's monster almost, you know? Yeah. And, that's like, and that is, made it even more horrifying. Even in um, that illustrated guide, they'd mentioned how, like, all, he has to wear because uh, of him being all burnt up by lava and whatnot. And it's like, there's some things of, like, oh, I don't know where you're pulling necessarily this information from. Um, you know, but, like, there's some bits that you're absolutely getting right and other bits of speculation that it's like, mm, you're a bit off, but, uh, but okay. Well, and I think way back when, I think it was supposed to have been, um, you know, I think his, like, his limbs had been burned off or something, or I, I want to say, in the West End Games uh, role-playing game, it, it talks about how they have a fight in a molten steel. Yeah plant or something he falls in molten steel and that's what burns him up which feels almost like uh tim burton's joker a little bit right this i think is like the the burning homestead scene i think is is probably one of the goriest bits of star wars oh absolutely period as far as the film goes films go right well besides maybe like anakin getting ball burnt up okay yeah i mean you know here we we only see the aftermath. We don't see a dude actually being uh, burned up in fire. That's true. So that's, but I mean, these know. are like real gory skeletons. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like that's <laughs> you like, know when you when you think the about the bits. fact when you think about the fact that it's like, well, this is supposed to be for you know six year olds or whatever. It's like that's pretty jarring. Yeah. In fact, as a kid, I don't re- actually remember that much detail about it. Um, me neither. I, I remember the burning, it. and I kind of remember the bodies, but I don't like almost like my child brain like cut it out. Yeah, I like the design of these hallways. How uh, they're I like that, uh, that like sloped type deal. Um, yeah, and I don't know, like maybe a hexagon. James Earl Jones, I think, did, uh, I think it took him, like, something like three hours to do his lines. Oh, really? Yeah, it was one day's worth of work. He made 7500 bucks. Oh, shit. And uh, became the most famous voice in history, <laughs> in film history, I mean. Yeah, like, he's just got one of those voices that works so, so well yeah. for this role. Like, I couldn't imagine this another type it. of voice for it. Right. And this is kind of gruesome, too, when you think about it. At the time when I, you know, when I watched it as a kid, I didn't really think about the fact they were just carrying around Jawa carcasses and burning them. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't really register, but it's like, oh. Yeah. It's a little grim. <laughs> I never thought about 3PO actually using his, his arms to lift anything either. Yeah. And like the little, like, just toss that he gives it. Yeah. Which means he has to be kind of strong, right? Uh, I mean, I guess I mean, he's probably just got, like, droid strength. Yeah, I mean, those are little people. Yeah. And he was just like picking him up like <laughs> and tossing it like it was nothing. Uh I guess earlier we missed the bit where uh he mentions that the uh, accuracy of the blaster bolts must mean that it's the stormtroopers. Yeah, right. Which again, like given how uh both that, that intro scene and our later scenes as they're being chased through the Death Star kind of prove like, uh, maybe they're not so great. Yeah. Yeah. It is just a it's a weird like kind of throwaway. Uh, line almost. Uh, here's the next bit of added CG. Yeah. Yeah, a lot it's, of this like background stuff. Yeah, it's just kind of not needed. I I like seeing the uh, transport ship there getting kind of dismantled that you see in Empire, and I guess Rogue One had him too. But yeah. Um. 
like I I get it and I don't. It's just that phase that Well, the issue he is, was is it in, just, I guess, it, um, where it's all like slapstick, like goofy. Well, it also CG just it shows that, it it uh it it stands out too much. Yeah. Because I think maybe the biggest issue. That and like having all of it passed directly in front of the camera. Yeah. Is just a bit distracting. Like I can see throwing it in the background, but this up close is uh really unnecessary. It's like that issue um with um oh this is gonna be a weird poll, but uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning. Yeah. Which was you know, a, a, a later uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre take, but almost every shot, uh or not maybe not almost every shot, but a good number of shots are either through a screen or there's some other thing in the foreground that blocks up a good chunk of the camera. Right. I think it's it was, supposed to be kind of artistic, but yeah, it's not. <laughs> I think it was brought up in like the director's commentary or something uh, where he pointed out, which is what had made me think about it. But it feels very much in the same way where it's like, look, can we just get some clean shots? We don't need something in front of this every single time. The best like additions to me are the ones that are in the background that you don't necessarily notice. Yes. It when it when the effect when the effects are like in your face, like, hey, look, we just did this. To me, it takes away from it. Or were it small things like um, earlier where they add a couple more um dobacks or whatever. Yeah, we'll talk about an Empire next episode. I think that Empire is the best use of that new technology of of the the original trilogy. Oh, in, yeah. in the additions that he made. Yeah, by far. By far. Uh this is Maybe well, I can't decide which one is worse between this and Jedi. Do you see how fast he went up there? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Never really noticed that. Some uh, got some speed to him. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you mean? Up there pretty quick. About uh, which one's worse between this and Jedi? I I don't. I can't decide which one. For uh, is like as far as like additions, like special edition uh, stuff. Okay. Empire is the best. This with the additional gotcha. scenes and the additional okay. CG is, you know, I'm not quite sure which between this and Jedi are, are the worst ones, but yeah. But uh, this cantina scene, I I love. I love that little uh, small fuzzy creature that gets handed the drink. Yeah, and like has the, the little dude hands. Yeah, like there's a Look bunch of these. Guy. Like this is, I think, where I fell in love with with the idea of just this universe full of aliens is seeing all of them in this one place together. Yep. Um. Well, this I love this did it right. Yeah. Like everybody like points to the cantina as like this. We're in a different galaxy. Like, look at this. This is insane. Exactly. Because before this, you know, like, let's face it, we see like some Jawas. We see some Tusken Raiders. Right. Uh, and a couple creatures. But that's really like, I think the extent of our like otherworldly de- uh, designs. You right. know, and then like all of a sudden here we've got like Ithorians and we've got all these other things uh, right. all mingling in one in a place. Wookie. Yeah. <laughs> It is kind of interesting, Ponda, right, Ponda though, Bala. that uh, our our uh, hive of scum and villainy is also the place that's uh, not human-dominated. It's uh, just a little interesting there. Makes you think. <sighs> that humans are best? Uh, I think that's the overall message of the film, for sure. <laughs> our militaries are both, like, largely human-led. One of them exclusively by white people. <laughs> The rebels also seem to be largely led by white people. I don't know. Oh, here goes. Say goodbye to Ponda Baba's arm. Yeah, that arm just sitting there with the, like, severed. It was always just, like, another one of those things. That's like, ooh, that's 
that's um a little gory. Yeah, it's interesting too because you know you don't see really blood anywhere else because you know the saber is supposed to cauterize the wound instantly, but in this one you see it's it's a little bloody. Well, if you look in the under the Wikipedia entry for this uh this cantina bar fight incident, uh, you'll actually see some interesting stuff about the uh, frequency of the crystals in Obi Wan's saber that have caused them to resonate at a slightly uh, lower frequency, and that caused the cauterization effect to be slower. Uh, the, uh, the bar, uh, behind the bartender, the, uh, drink dispensers are actually the, uh, the model that's used for IG-88's head. Oh, I love IG-88. Yeah, you can kind of see it between their heads there. If, if there's a clear shot, you can see it's, it's, they actually, like, basically just use that and <laughs> put it on I'm trying the to, IG unit. Judas, I think, honestly, that, that whole lineup of bounty hunters is, uh, something as well that I like I latched onto weirdly at a young age because yeah. I, I know for sure like Bosk was one of those dudes I'm like oh fuck yes this is my dude him and IG-88 are both like oh hell yeah yep I this is like one of the coolest introductions of a character yeah like there is no and and I mean it part of it is house shop and a lot of it is Harrison Ford but you absolutely believe when they sit down that this guy is a badass. Oh, absolutely. This guy is a badass smuggler and 10,000 what? You know, units <laughs> of something. 10,000 whoopee whoopies. Oh, we are that- in Tatooine. Like whoopee whoopies are a thing, right? <laughs> you know, I'm sure like he had some super weird like alien name for their currency system that he kept like going back and forth on and people were like look george i'm not gonna call these biptus i'm not gonna do it i really do think um that the one of the currencies there is whoopies isn't it i could not tell you i'm thinking of uh episode one when they when the guy's trying to get money out of jar jar for the thing i i don't think so because like then anakin yelling out whoopee would be like money Makes sense. Uh, that's how I'm going to start leaving rooms. I'm going to just, as I'm walking out, yell, cash money. Uh, Chewbacca. The birthed from Lucas's dog that was sitting in his car with him. His dog, Indiana. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that bit. Yep. Um, actually, one of the early uh, Ralph McQuarrie uh, designs of Chewbacca, um, Zeb from uh, uh rebels is actually the original design for chewbacca oh okay and they reused it uh when they did the uh shit i can't remember his species now but uh lasat lasat there you go i uh, i i love greedo's design I, I really loved greedo way early on yeah like rodin's were always so dope i never noticed how his uh his ears move uh, until like just antenna, now, like his antenna, too, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. like wiggle back and forth. I don't know that I've ever noticed that. That's just that's really cool. It's one of those things I, I probably would have wouldn't have noticed uh, if they didn't move, but uh, them moving makes them feel so much more lifelike. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should I, mention not, the latest. We don't uh, need to talk about this. I just 
What a character assassination. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, I guess, depending on if you're watching this on Disney+, Plus, additional changes have been made to that scene. Yep. Which now he says, what, basically like McClooney or McClusky, something like that, it, which I guess is yeah, supposed McClunky. to mean in Hutties, like, I will end you. I guess, which is Some, like, yeah, something uh, like that. maybe not. Maybe we don't need it. Uh, really fun fact that everybody knows about Peter Cushing is he's not wearing any boots right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's wearing slippers, <laughs> which I mean, to be fair, I would I would love to just see him trouncing throughout the uh, the Death Star in slippers. There's a shot like a BTS shot of him filming with wearing his slippers. Uh, his the Imperial boots like were too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's awesome because in the book Tarkin they actually work that into canon. Oh, really? That Tarkin hates the Imperial boots, so he wears slippers a lot. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's like it's a cool like just a cool little nod they put in there. You know, here's the really fun thing, and I don't know, I I, I hate to do this with a lot of the films that we've done, right? But yeah. I just happen to look, and it's like, oh, we're already like halfway through, and it doesn't feel like it. You know, it, it, you um, know it, it's funny you say that, too, because um, Jedi and A New Hope, to me, have both f- like f- um, suffered from the, f- the same thing, and that's Tatooine-itis. Yeah. Like, Tatooine is not my favorite planet. Typically, for me, the Tatooine portions of both movies, like, really drag. Yeah. Oh, like, I, it's I the slowest say, bit. This is another character. I've fucking, like, as edit, when I was super early, I was like, okay, well, he's a bad guy, for sure. But fuck, I want to know what his deal is. The uh, um, long-snouted Yeah, I love that they brought him back for the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah? Not that guy, but that species. Yeah. Uh, This, to me, is another, like, horrible addition. I know a lot of people feel that way. It's just, it's so unneeded. I I don't need uh, to see Boba Fett. You know, Boba Fett was put in there who breaks the fourth wall, basically, just because people thought he was badass. Yeah. This makes Jabba looks like such a a wuss yeah when you like get you know, stepped on and, and the effect of him stepping over it or on his tail is just horrible like it's just it's just not needed yeah i mean i definitely I, like, I like the idea of the mystery that he owes this gangster a bunch of money and he's doing this because he's desperate i don't need to see like i, I don't need to see him basically twisting jabba's arm to you know let him go like i i want to believe that like he is still wanted big time when he takes the fuck off of Tatooine. Yeah. Not that he's been granted a reprieve, basically, and everything's fine. Oh, see, as a, as a kid, I'd always assumed that it's not that he was uh, let go or anything like that. It was just like, okay, you're basically, I'm giving you this amount of time to get my money. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, but I like the idea of the desperation where he's like, we're running out of time, let's go, kids. Yeah, it's just, I'd always <laughs> like, figured... Like, let's move along. I'd always figured that it was just kind of like, uh, oh, you know, just he... he Han, in his typical way, managed to, like, just buy himself a little bit more time by talking it through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And this guy. And that voice. Oh, man. That's what really made me like, oh, he does not look like he should have that voice, but I dig it. I love this shot. I mean, it's just, it's the Falcon, dude. Mm-hmm. This is why I can't go to Galaxy's Edge. Because when I would step off into that into the main hangar and see that life size falcon, I would start bawling. Which happens, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's where you tell the real nerds is people will step out into the into that courtyard area and just break down into tears because the freaking falcon is right there. I don't think I could ever get that attached to something. 
<laughs> I love the I love when uh, he shakes his head when uh, the droids walk by. It's like God, whatever, just get on board. So, do you suppose that there's some sort of uh, like universal translator or something? Maybe, or they just know. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it seems like. It seems like people know languages easier in this universe. Yeah, it's it's kind of something I hadn't thought about as deeply until recently, how it's like, you have to have a protocol droid to translate all these languages, but right there, like, your basic stormtrooper understands to some extent whatever that language is. Yeah. Or I guess he gestures well enough to, to kind of tell. This is where the movie works. Right. From the second that the, the stormtroopers step into the hangar bay, like now we're going, man. I'm I'm on board. Oh, that's weird. I wonder if he's taken some inspiration from uh, Godzilla to some extent in the score there. Because uh, at the at the intro of um, both Godzilla and uh, Godzilla versus Mothra, uh, you get that boom, 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 boom. There's a it's, lot uh, of uh, there's a lot of uh, um, you can see. Uh, L3's display back behind their heads mm-hmm. on the upper left hand side I mean obviously not but I mean let's pretend it is yeah um, yeah he actually took some like a lot of inf- ins- uh, inspiration from stuff I hadn't realized before there's a uh, I'm not going to say what it I, I can't remember but there was like a a, a medieval movie that is actually like three quarters of the the main theme of star wars oh really that he took inspiration from i i guess wagner a lot of wagner he, he I, um, I could see took that. stuff from especially with like all these uh some of these like horns as well yeah this is that was a great shot of the the death star actually like moving through space yeah I like this bit because she's all kind of fiery and he like starts taking a step towards her and she backs up into yeah into Vader and it definitely feels like fuck I'm trapped. You yeah, know what I mean? Definitely like understands that like not nah, Tarkin holds all the cards in this situation. Yeah. And the thing is, is that's genuine tension and, and fear. And you go back to like Grievous or like Dooku and there's none of that. No. You know, this is like, these are the bad guys. Although to be fair, it is a situation where it's like, to some extent, those Jedi can maybe like fight their way out of that situation, right? They've got, they've got yeah. something that they can do here. If you lay in this situation, it's like, uh, I can't do shit. Yeah, but I still think it's like, it's the dialogue, it's the actors. Yeah. It's just the situation in general is just so, it's, they're menacing. You fear the empirical or the imperial machine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Dan Tween shows up in the novel Lost Stars. Yes. Uh, one of the characters is uh, joins the alliance, and it it shows them on Dan Tween. Dan, the evacuation of Dan Tween uh, actually was supposed to be part of Rogue One. Oh really? But they yeah, but they cut it out. I, I wonder how they would have worked that in. I'm not sure. That's a yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. 
I guess maybe that's why it was cut out was they were kind of just like, uh, we don't have a good way to like tie this into things. It's kind of a, right. becomes a useless like addition at that point. I remember being blown away at this. Yeah. Like just the firing of that laser and blowing a planet. Yeah, I was like, like oh, they my just God. destroyed a whole planet. <laughs> and then like how you can see some of the actual like effects of like, oh yeah, the force is when it's, when it's, uh, affected on that large of a scale. Yeah, when you have a loss of life on that scale, the force itself is actually affected. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, I didn't realize till recently that Dantooine was actually um, originally in The Force Awakens, they were going to create Starkiller Base out of Dantooine. Oh, that would have been... That that was going to be the planet. That would have been maybe a bit weird, but... Like, it just feels like it would have been too much of a, like, a thing of like, hey guys, remember this planet? Yeah. Yeah, for a movie that's already like a lot of people complain that there's too much nostalgic fan service, like that might have been a bit much. Yeah. Man, could you imagine if our chess games were like that? That'd be amazing. <laughs> I would still lose. Yeah. I love uh coming off of solo now looking at uh at this ship. And seeing how much of it's like exposed wiring or like yeah. just like darkened cushions and everything. Yeah, and it's been um ten years since he's gotten it. Yeah. And that's what <laughs> that's what it looks like. And like, like they, they, they've been through some adventures. So much of it's just kinda like it feels like a, a ship that if it was uh in our universe would be held together almost solely by duct tape. Right. <laughs> right. Mismatched parts and adapters. See the the lightsaber lightsaber still looking a little goofy, and I guess you could say he left it in there for nostalgia, but he didn't leave anything else in that way. He changed everything else. Also, the the length of it is like so much, uh, so much more than it winds up being in other series. Right. Didn't quite nail down the uh, the transitions between uh, the blade being active and inactive. Right. I you know it's another thing that like sets this character apart from the others, you know, he's very cynical. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that, you know, not everybody believes in the force. Some people think it's a myth. You know, some people think it's like, a, it's a hokey religion. Which is interesting, right? Cause it's like, well, actually I wonder how many people in the, uh, prequel era, uh, like saw the evidence of the force, right. Or were affected well, that's the thing, by it in like their daily lives. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, um, with kind of the new canon, it plays around with the fact that that a lot of people just don't believe that it's real because there were only, I think, 10,000 Jedis at the time of the prequels. Mm -hmm. And unless you, like, saw that happen, you know, saw a Jedi in action in front of you, you probably wouldn't believe any of it, you know, that any of it was real. Yeah. You know, and, and New Canon does play around with the fact that a lot of people don't believe in the Force and don't believe, and some people don't believe that the Jedi were, like, a real thing when it gets, you know, into the sequel era or sequel trilogy era. Yeah. You know, 30 years removed. A lot of people, it's just a story. It's a myth. I like that, that it's not, you know, it's this mysterious thing as opposed to everybody. Well, yeah. Unlike, unlike some fantasy where it's like, um, it's a thing of like, okay, well how, how well distributed is magic, right? Is it a thing that anybody can access or is seen right. in the day to day or is it concentrated among a select few? 
And that does a lot to change your fantasy universe on how that gets distributed. Yeah. I don't know why I always like this meeting chamber. Yeah, it's it's just a really cool design. Um, There's our first look at hyperspace. Yeah. Which I think looks great now. I think they were using like tinfoil, like reflected tinfoil or something back then or cellophane. Okay. To make the tunnel. Don't quote me on it, but I think that's what it was. I was curious the other the other night when I was thinking about it. Yeah, I think it's like crumpled cellophane. The uh, sound of the asteroids wishing by is a little bit, a little bit goof, but that's okay. A little bit, but yeah, I mean that's another thing too, though. The sound design is in this is like, yeah, like there's our our first just, uh, Tie Fighter sound, I think, and that Tie Fighter sound, oh my is god, just, like gorgeous. Listen to that, <laughs> like the sound, like both the sound of the the um the Falcons engines and the Tie Fighter engines in particular, like. Are, are just yeah you, singular you get this idea of like this this world of like just different i don't know like there's something to be said for the whole like no sound of space thing but having this this uh this sort of deal is just gorgeous yeah it had so much more personality than if uh if there was nothing to it yeah i always groan at the neil degrasse tysons of the world they're like well there wouldn't be any engine sounds in space there'd be no explosions like, there's no air in space. There'd be no explosions. I don't care, dude. It looks cool. <laughs> yeah. It looks cool. It sounds cool. It makes it makes this universe so much more engaging. Yeah. I don't care if it doesn't follow Newtonian physics. They fly like airplanes. And like, it's you fine. Can, you can, like, reason your way out of it where it's like, oh, no, we're just hearing the audio from inside each cockpit or something. That's nah. We don't need it. Right. It's just fun. I haven't even talked about how, like, whiny I think Luke is. Oh, extremely, for sure. Which is <laughs> it's great. like it's definitely a family thing. It's great when like you then look at his personality come like episode five and how yeah. it's changed, and then especially episode six. Yeah, episode six. There was like something happened between five and six that really uh I, I wanted really turned him around. Because he's still really whiny in in five, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, around Yoda and stuff. Good but, bit of music through here. Yeah. Um um, if you had the, uh, if you had the, uh, the vinyl record of star Wars, uh, this is, this is the track that would indicate it's time to flip the record over. Oh yeah. 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 I had the, uh, the OST on vinyl back when I was like six or seven or eight or whatever. Uh, you know, here's the thing is I think my Barnes and Noble had a copy that I was tempted to pick up a while back, but I didn't have the, uh couldn't justify the cost at the moment yeah i kind of miss having a record player honestly i want to get a better one i want one of those there's a really nice like audio technical one that i've had my eyes on for a while but the one that i want's like 200 yeah it's like oof, that's not gonna happen anytime soon do we need to even talk about the the poor osha rating of the empire i mean look i mean who's not gonna trip and fall down that thing when when you, you know you're government is the the extent of osha i guess that you can just get away with it that's true it's an excellent point but you are right i wonder i wonder what the uh what the cost benefit analysis would look like uh for not including railings (laughs) or if it's just a thing of like you know 
you've got like a whole Elon Musk thing where it's like, you know, he doesn't like the uh, color yellow. Yeah. In factories. I wonder if it's a similar thing where like somebody just doesn't like the look of, of handrails. Could be. Or, or maybe it's a, maybe it's an efficiency thing. They're like, well, handrails encourage leaning. So we just took out the handrails <laughs> and we reduced the amount of leaning that our stormtroopers did by 25%. Right. I like that bit where Vader is like talking. He's like, I'm, I'm feeling something I haven't felt since. And then he just a lot walks up and you got him. The officer's got to be like, the fuck just happened. Right. Who you, a, who are you talking to? And B, finish that <laughs> sentence. It's like, hey, do I need to be? Worried? I like that. This, I like that. The scanner is like this giant crate. Mm hmm. Like, it's not just like a tricorder. Like, they've got to take this thing on board and like. It feels like a I don't pretty, know. I don't um, even know how it works. Like that's the kind of stuff I should be on Wikipedia like it, reading about. It seems about, like, like a, something that size work? cannot be efficient. Right. Um, um I had read somewhere that that tube on the back of that stormtrooper uh, early drafts the stormtroopers actually carried laser swords. Oh. And that's where those would go. Well, that'd be interesting. I guess that's um that's kind of uh, been pushed forward into new can with the uh, variety of like melee weapons that they seem to have. Yeah, uh, I I want to say like in the New Order time period that they trained them in more melee stuff because of the possibility of finding like Jedi and whatnot. And given like uh, in our extended canon stuff, how many uh, how many people like have some sort of martial ability? You know, yeah, like just yeah. looking at somebody That's like what... Zeb who's like fighting with this electro bow staff thing. Yeah. I uh <laughs> I just fell victim to my bad brain because I suddenly started watching the movie right in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I keep I here's the things I find myself constantly having to fight that. I was like I like the red blue like thing that goes back and forth that like I think I'm pretty sure Kenny Baker is just moving that inside. See, and that's the thing that would just be R2D2. done, like, digitally now. Yeah. But I guess that is one of those other things, right? Is, like, knowing how much of this is just, like, a principal effect. It's like, oh, all these things become so much more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, just so much more now. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, when you, especially you get through the prequel era, and then when they get to, you know, post-Disney, you get to The Force Awakens people were so happy that they were going back to these physical effects. Yeah. You know, they were going back to these buttons and the screens the way they were. And, you know, the actual, like, real, like, actual physical sets. Yeah. And that the stormtroopers were real people in costumes. Like, uh, it's like that's when you know you've crossed that line where it's like, okay, no, the audience is going to fight back. You know, you've gone too far. You need to go back to... uh something more tangible i i'm just i'm blown away when you look i don't want to hammer this too much but i'm gonna when you look back at like the prequel like dialogue and stuff you look at this and it's quick and it's snappy and yeah like, tells you everything you need to know about the characters like very quickly it's it's well, like, just a matter of editing especially now it's like the pace is after you get off tatooine the pace quickens and everything's like at a you know yeah well i mean like let's face it when it comes down to it like the the, the pace of your dialogue can make it a, a 
and break a scene, right? Like you look at um right oh season one RVB when there's these longer pauses versus something like season two or three where they shorten those down, and and yeah. so it leads to seasons two and three and and so on, like feeling so much more um dynamic and fast paced is entirely because of yep. the amount of like time between dialogue and the energy put right. forth in that dialogue. Yeah, and and there's an energy to it. Like they're sitting in a room now, and he's got his feet up. But they're ta- the the pace that they're talking, the and the way that they're talking, it increases that yes. that energy and increases the tension a little bit. I think. Yeah, as opposed to when I think of older science fiction, I think of like um, a door shutting, like somebody walking. It takes like five seconds for them to address anybody in the room. Right. It's it's right. like a a much longer deal uh, than this winds up being. Right. And again, what makes it's silly to say makes him more endearing, but this dude in the end is a pirate. He's a smuggler. Yeah. I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, the you're going to get him to do money. something. You, yeah, you give him money. He's going to do something. I, I, I like that. And, and, you know, I know like one of the reasons that Lucas changed the, uh, the Greedo scene is, you know, you know, something to the effect of, you know, this guy's going to marry princess Leia, but he's a cold blooded killer. Like, and it's, you know, we wanted to be a cowboy and stuff, you know, like John Wayne, but they don't shoot first in cold blood, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, but no, that's, that is kind of what made him a little endearing was the fact that he was like that. Yeah. And at the end he's marrying princess Leia. Yeah. it's, it's And that, he's like the hero of the galaxy. Like that's what's called an arc. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that arc of redemption to see him go from like your, your typical person in the, in the criminal world to like now a military leader and like this great figure is a, a good arc. Right. Although given um, solo, I don't know maybe how well that, that winds up applying. I feel like solo kind of, I, I think solo kind of uh, reinforces the special edition changes over. What's how, how do you mean? Um, it just, it feels like uh, if you were to take solos Han, and put them into the original uh, A New Hope, like, we'll just take the shooting first scene. It doesn't quite yeah. seem as uh, in character. Right. Uh, like, Solo's Han feels a lot more trusting, while that trust is kind of broken at the end, he still is like a dude who seems like he's willing to give somebody the chance first and then engage. Right. Um, so I feel like it, it's definitely kind of just building off that new... Uh, take on Han in the first place. <laughs> like the idea of Obi Wan just like sneaking around the Death Star. I I think we totally missed. There is a bit early in I think where a uh, stormtrooper bonks his head or something. We not yet. Not yet. It's is coming it up. coming up? I I just I know that it's in here somewhere, but yeah. I, I keep I always forget when exactly it is. Yeah, it's it's coming up after. Uh... It's when they go in, when the the droids are by themselves and after the fighting breaks out, mm, they, uh, yeah. they go in there, which is awesome because, you know, it was a complete mistake that like, instead of cutting out, George is like, let's add a bonk. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a special edition change that I can get behind. Let's add a, let's add a bonk sound. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> like, and that's adding a, that's adding a slapstick element to a thing that already exists. And it's just like, we'll just, we'll highlight it a little bit more. Right. I do like the um, the thing of the laser blast coming straight at the camera. Yes. I do like that animation. But like here, it's like, where, 
where are the bolts coming from that are going from the floor to the ceiling? Yeah, or even when it's, there's when it's nobody there showing something like the camera, and then there's bullets that are still lacing back and forth in front of that. Right. And it's like, okay, so I guess one wall is shooting at another wall. <laughs> That's a nitpick. <laughs> I, I tried not to do that too much because I do love this movie so much. I don't want to sound like I just bag on it all the time. Yeah, but at the same time, like we gotta we gotta take like something against it. Yeah, because it's by no means the perfect movie. It's just pretty good. Do you... Some of the like one of the famous, most famous dialogue scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I love that bit of acting there, like where he's just like, ah, fucked up. Ah, shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I get a redo? You know, this is the type of this is like the Lucas humor I can get behind. Though I need to, uh, I need to take you, just a bit and do a reaction gif for uh, when the when the cashier says, uh, you know, have a good meal, and you say you too, and then just yeah. do that that side cringe. <laughs> I I need to grab that as a reaction gif. Right. God, how sweaty do you think it must get underneath those helmets? It's sweaty. Actually, in, underneath that whole armor, like, I can't imagine the awful musk whenever they take those off. <laughs> Gotta send those things in for cleaning. They, they're probably, like, plastic clamshell type things. They just open up and spray them down. Do you think Tarkin just sits in this room like this is Tarkin's his office? Tarkin's like that manager who's who's like, go go do this work. I've got paperwork to do and you just go back to the office right. and he's just kind of sitting there. Yeah. He just sits there and he looks at the ball. He's like, look at my ball. This is too good. <laughs> That's like, what is that supposed to be? Like a hollow projector or something? I guess so, yeah. It? I think so. It, just, it looks like something in a fantasy movie that would be like the, uh, the scrying ball. Or the scrying yeah. crystal. It's like the plant here. Mm-hmm. Have you seen SC-38? No. Uh, it's a fan film. Uh, SC-38 stands for Scene 38. Um, where they redo the Obi-Wan Vader fight. Yes, I think you mentioned this a while back. And I was like, I'll check this out. And then I didn't. Yeah, you really should. They did it a great like mix-up of original footage and new stuff. And the way that they were able to uh, like rotoscope Alec Guinness's face over the stunt double in certain shots. It It really... It is definitely one of those things where I'm like, look, if you were just going to like shit all over something, like redo this then. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If just you're make, willing it, make to it feel just... more engaging than uh, just this like right. slow prodding thing. It is kind of fun thinking of it as like, well, no, now it's just like two old men. Yeah. I read something not too recently where somebody had equated it to a samurai movie. Yeah. Which I mean, it's what, what the and goal I'm not, was. Yeah. I'm not really well versed in those. You probably are most of the mind, but. You know, it was very like the the old samurai movies. You know, it was two hands on the hilt, and there were like very few strikes. Yeah, it, it's like there's like largely like a strike them. parry pause, strike parry pause. I mean, I'm more more right uh, accustomed to like uh, samurai anime than anything else. But oh, okay. But I was like, yeah, I suppose so. God, I wonder if we would this be able to see that I would like, reenact in the playground all the time. What's that? I, I, speaking of uh, Japanese cinema, I wonder if we could do like Ichi the Killer at some point. That would be fun to do again. Yeah.
I actually I remember when I was younger, <laughs> I loved this uh this gunfight in, per- yeah. in particular, like this just seeing these uh these stormtroopers kind of like come up, get get knocked down. There's like uh, a haze of smoke that's coming up. Yeah, it's a great little scene. Yeah, God, you get some smell. banter back and forth at the same time. The smell must be awful. Uh, I can't even imagine. Look, at least it's not also where like all the sewage gets outputted to. Yeah, that um, I believe is the same door from the Tanta Four. Oh yeah, I think. <laughs> I love, I love how Chewy is in the scene. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing up there, buddy? <laughs> oh, man. And I love the idea. Like, this has its own ecosystem. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a creature in here that like comes out and feeds on this and helps break down the trash. Yeah. You know, like I love that idea. That do you suppose that that's a common thing? Like, uh, in large uh, trash systems, they've just imported this creature. You know, I'm not sure if it was imported or not, or if it just came in on like as a microbe or something as junk or or like like uh, uh, like parasites coming in through eggs and then just like gestating into something larger. Yeah, I don't rem- like. I remember like being young and and hearing that it was common in trash things, and then it seems like I read something somewhere else that said that it came in on some junk or something and just lived there. So it'd be interesting if like in trash systems they just like. Instead of doing a thing where they either put it in a landfill or incinerate it or something, they're just like, oh, no, we've just found a creature that likes to eat this, so we've just got it in here. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. You know, in the new uh, the new game, the Jedi Fallen Order uh, starts out on a planet that is a scrapyard that they're breaking down all of the old Republic ships. Right. And there's this giant, like, planet-wide tentacled monster that basically just like feeds off of all the junk well see the junk planets have always interested me because like there was one in um oh uh force awakens as well where it's like <laughs> a junk planet uh for like right parts and stuff right um i want to say when when he's underwater he uh ends up uh, getting stuck underwater so long or something, he blew like a blood vessel in his eye. Oh, shit. Or some Mark Hamill, I mean. Yeah. So, like, they were had to be careful how they were shooting him. <laughs> that's always nuts when that happens. I remember there was that one, uh, I think that's discussed in the repo commentary as well, where they uh, had hung the guy upside down for too long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I think about that one way too often. You really have to be careful with that stuff. Yeah. Human body, man, it's a fickle thing. I wonder I wonder if that creature is able to like just compress real good. I think it gets I think there's a little tunnel it goes into. Okay. Cause I think that's why he lets him go, if I remember right, that like something opens up and it like lets him go and crawls into it. Got it. This is pretty smart thinking on 3PO's part. Unless it was actually R2-D2's. Oh, I guarantee you. Uh, we just missed that scene, by the way. Yeah. Where the dude banged his head. Oh, it's okay. Uh, a lot of people said it was because 
of the poor visibility of apparently this guy like had a stomach ache or something and wasn't paying attention. There's a documentary I haven't seen yet. Elstree, what is it? Elstree 73. Okay. Uh, the, that, uh, the entire documentary is about like the background actors of star Wars. Oh, I'm down for that. Have you ever seen it? No. Hmm. Yeah, it's on, I believe it's on Netflix. I could be wrong now, but uh, I think it's on Disney Plus too. I think it's called Elstree 1973 or something like that. Oh. Elstree being the Elstree Studios. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's all about like these guys in the background that, you know, talks about how it changed their lives that they were in Star Wars, but nobody really knows. <laughs> yeah, because that's sort of the thing, right? Is like, at the end of the day, you're not going to really pick up too many more acting gigs from, like, I was an extra. Right. Actually, it burned a lot of things. Like, oh, I was an extra. I don't think it's going to get you too many acting gigs. Yeah. Some people some people make a living off of just doing extra work, Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, there's a whole podcast uh, based around I think it's called, like, I Was There or something like that. Oh, okay. They just interview extras. Yeah, I keep, um, you know, they film a lot of TV shows over here in Portland. Yes. Um, and I keep missing out on like extra calls and stuff. I've thought about it before. I've met people before that were like, yeah, I showed up. I was in the background of like the librarians or something. You know, so that's really interesting that Portland is getting picked up as this uh, place for filming. Cause I remember, you know, it used to be like Vancouver was where everything was shot. Is that changing to Portland or is it just like a matter of convenience? Well, Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. 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 Is still the TV. Um, capital of the world portland and portland's always had like some film and tv stuff like we've got some uh sound stages out towards hillsborough i think and um you know it's kind of like seattle as far as like uh the number of projects that are shot here or something you yeah know? uh there's a, a kobe smolders has a show she plays a cop or a private detective or something that takes place in portland that's being shot here now yeah i mean i think before uh, that we had uh grim yeah grim was here the librarians was here um did you ever uh did you ever watch grim no it's uh it's not bad Is yeah it? it's it's pretty it's you know it's, it's competent i'll give it that which I know doesn't sound I like should. an endorsement, but it's it's got some yeah. uh, some good bits. It, no, I it does the usual sci-fi. I hear you. I heard it was pretty decent. Yeah, it does the usual like urban fantasy thing of like it does jump a boat at some point, but yeah. uh, or jump a shark. But um, you know it's it's pretty pretty solid. Does it jump a baby shark? Uh, do 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 kinda. <laughs> I love this. Just the interaction between all of the characters is like spot on. Yeah. The prequels could have used 3% of this. Yeah. And and I guess that's, I mean, that's why this is so beloved, right? Yeah, it's like, there's just... This is why people fell in love with these characters so much. Yeah, how bad do you think Chewie must smell? Fuck. Like just know, giant, maybe he smells pretty giant decent. wet dog right now. Giant wet <laughs> uh, trash dog. I always wondered how old. I also like how she calls him a walking carpet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not nice. It's, it's not, not very, uh, yeah, it's not a kind thing. You know, you think about like how racist the empire is supposed to be and 
and you've got like the one guy in the pr- in the uh, detention block who's like, "Where are you taking this thing?" And it's like Leia's not much better. No, <laughs> that's not nice. You know, the thing is, nobody's actually looking out for uh for alien rights in this universe, right? It's all about that white human senate. Actually, do you suppose that that's a thing that happened, right? As as soon as uh, Palpatine took over the senate, uh, like all these other alien representatives just got purged. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure, like a canon answer for that. I would think not. I mean, it'd be hard to justify. I'm sure, but yeah, because you have to, you still have to have representation of like you know each of the sectors or yeah it's just they they don't really show up in the military branch at all yeah not not at all in fact that's why when you get people like thrawn it's such a big deal that he rose as high as he did because he was alien yeah when i was a kid this sequence i always loved seeing han like come charging through and then just run into this room full of stormtroopers yep it's one of my favorites still to this day one of my favorite yeah i remember i would laugh so hard as a kid watching it I just remember this being like so utterly exciting. Yes. <laughs> you know, just this whole the whole like Death Star sequence. Yeah. Like watching this and being like, I actually don't know how they'll get across this thing. Yeah. And the the fanfare, the Star Wars thing. Yeah. My God. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like the the use of music in this is so good. It's it's really well put together. Um, I um, I like the fact that he finally gives her a gun. You you know, looking back and and I am probably one of the least woke people in the world. And and reading uh, how Star Star Wars conquered the universe talks about this a little bit. That she was a little bit unhappy sometimes with how how her character was treated. Yes. You, you know, I we always think about her as like the feminist icon and and everything else, but she's not treated that way sometimes. No. No, and um, you know. that's one of the things that had bugged me reading, because um, I only ever got through the first Thrawn book because of how much it did bug me, was uh, yeah. seeing her character go from, like, where she's at in episode six, where she's, like, a, a competent rebel leader, right? Like, leads right. this uh, this indoor strike and whatnot, and then goes into the Thrawn trilogy, or at least that first Thrawn book, where it's like, I just need everybody to save me again. Yeah, it gets, um, it, it, it gets better i might be romanticizing it in my head too i i like how she becomes a little bit more cerebral she gets a little bit more involved in the force yeah you know she's got the twins so she's not like on the front lines per se um you know i like how like her being the va- the daughter of vader comes into play yeah. with like the nogri and stuff yeah. and uh you know i don't mind it as much but it's been a really long time since i've read those books too yeah i mean maybe i'll give them a second shot uh probably not before i wind up reading like catalyst and all these other ones but oh yeah i would recommend catalyst and lost stars far before that the new thrawn books are actually the new canon thrawn books are supposed to be pretty decent too yeah i might give those a shot as tells well, a little then. different you know it tells a little different story because you know it, it thrawn is more in the um you know clone wars and the period between clone wars and episode four timeline as opposed to you know jedi how do you feel i mean we talked about a little bit but like seeing what we've seen how do you feel about the 
the duel? Uh, I mean, I think as a kid, right, I was I was always like into it. But as I've grown older, it definitely, like I said before, feels just like oh, he's just two old men waving sticks at each other. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Like even when he like when he does the spin. Yeah. It's like he's like taking little steps to spin around as opposed to a. Yeah, it's just it's like as I've grown older, it's become less and less engaging. Yeah. Well, and. I like. um, Like, I like the direction they take, like I like the the uh, the duel in Empire a little better. Yes, the duel in Empire. I remember watching back through and being like, okay, this is. Like really engaging. There's like um, there's all of this reusing uh, or uh, like using the environment, like the, this resourcefulness that I, I really appreciate. Right. Um, everything feels like it's weighty and like has impact. Yeah. I, I. In the end of the day, it's like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Right. I mean, you didn't like you didn't have the most intense choreography. You did have an older Alec Guinness. You did have a dude in a suit that probably couldn't see very well. You know, I, I mean, you do the best with what you can, but it is one of those things where I do kind of uh, wish we got a little bit more than we did, considering, you know, who Vader is. That, and I think I would have liked to see the saber used at least a little bit more before this point or something, um, just to yeah. really see, like, it being a deadly weapon, like it seems to be portrayed as when we first are introduced right. to the concept of it, you know? Um, but I mean, it's okay that it's not. Yeah. I, I like, um, you know, it's one of my favorite bits about the trilogies is the Jedi and the use of the sabers to cut doors open, Yeah, and, you know, reflect blaster bolts bla- uh, back. Yeah. It becomes like a, it becomes a, a utility tool on top of a weapon of like a offense and defense. Right. That John Williams music just, mm-hmm. you know, just kicks in and it's like, I don't know. It's just even, you know, in my, in my forties now, like it's just exciting. Yeah. R.A.P. Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew, by the way, like just an ungodly, uh, wonderful human being, apparently. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Oh, let's see. Here comes a bit with these uh, <laughs> these turrets that I I always wondered as a kid how those work too. Like it seemed like it was really um, oh I don't know, impossible to to fire with. Yeah. To this day, I'm not exactly quite sure how they work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how does the gravity work? Like, how does that? You yeah, know- where it like it seems to transition around like a, a central point or something. Right. It's an amazing, you know, scene though. Um, you know, George, uh, when he was, you know, coming up with concepts and he was, uh, you know, uh, they were, uh, doing pre-production and, and I think even when they were editing before the shots were finished would take stuff from like world war two dogfighting movies and cut them in. Yeah. Which I mean, you can see this with like the flying fortress type bombers and whatnot. Um, yeah. Those turrets. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This scene in particular. Which I gotta shoot you a, a music video as well, uh, one by um, oh I think it's like Gunship or something like that. 
uh, that I stumbled upon the other oh, really? day. That was like this animated one in, in this like Borderlands style cell shading with these two yeah. uh, these two pilots like dueling it out across the sky. It's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and again the music through here like is just another one of those like highly iconic uh bits of bits of music i'm always so glad when they um when they revisit this like um i think i think this is the music they play in the last jedi when they're in the crystal caves right. It, I think, isn't it, I'm, when, they're, when they draw off certain. the things? It makes me so happy. Um, I mean, I just I just love whenever it, it pops up in uh, in any of the games, like being used during uh, like the Starfighter battles in the newer Battlefield yeah. 2. Um, it's just great. Then in the way that the, uh, the TIE Fighter sounds play with the music, so it's not like... It, it feels like it just works real well together as opposed to being extremely jarring. Yep. I mean, that's a big explosion. Yeah, that's a bit much. Apparently that TIE fighter is carrying a <laughs> giant payload. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just talk about how much the effects work, though? Yeah, it, it still holds up. I mean, even, even now, like, some of these, you know... Uh, the uh, the computer controlled you know shots I, when you take a look at the at other sci-fi movies that you know were very slow and you know uh real prodding and methodical when you look at this stuff it's like even now it's uh, it blows me away yeah. yeah no i mean that's the thing is everything just looks good which i know is a very i'm so very articulate un, uh uncritical or or uh I don't know, unschooled way of, of looking at yeah. it, but right. <laughs> there's no better word for it. It just looks good. So here's, here's the thing that I do want to mention is look at the cockpit yeah. right now. Where are the joysticks? Yeah. That's, you know, I, I know we talked about this, I think, especially in solo and, and we'll get into it in the sequel trilogy. I love how the cockpit actually looks like you're flying yeah. stuff where here it's like, I don't see the, the joysticks i don't know how you fly this they just kind of show them sitting there like shaking in their yeah, chair wherever, like the flight controls are it's not uh not immediately clear you know well that's right. the thing is it's all controlled by feet right there's four pedals six directions i like this bit where he just decides to screw luke yeah <laughs> And just more proof, too, that they weren't initially supposed to be brother-sister. No, no, absolutely <laughs> That was not, not the original idea. I think he's come out a couple of times like, oh, yeah, I mean, that was the idea all along. I very but much feel that was <laughs> not the idea all along. That feels yeah. like a thing that, right, like, he's, he's writing one night and, you know, he's, he's stuck in a scene or something. You know, he goes, he goes to, like, to eat dinner or whatever, and then, like, in a moment of... of uh, Stupor's like, I've got it. Yeah. And we're back in the Masasi Temple, Yavin 4. Which, again, I've, like, I've always loved the, the look of, of Yavin. Um, yeah, I do Having too. it be this, like, overgrown, like, uh, foresty 
uh, almost like tropical, I guess. Um, planet with all these ruins and everything. It just it looks gorgeous. Yeah. Hey, remember when your entire family and like twelve billion people just died not too long yeah, ago? Yeah, are you gonna deliver that news at any point? Like, oh, BT dubs—they've <laughs> yes. got a planet killer, and it just destroyed an entire planet full of people. I wonder what that did to the galactic economy. That was uh, the first and only computer graphics in Star Wars. Which apparently they didn't save, so they had to like redo it all in Rogue One. Like there was no file or anything that was left over from those uh, original Death Star plan graphics. Oh, really? You know, I, I heard something interesting, um, I guess, about the newer Toy Story, where I guess they ran into a problem uh, in this uh, Toy Story 4, wherein like their programs that they would use to animate things can't open the old files. Yeah, oh, really? so they, they actually had to like redesign a ton of models for Toy Story 4. Because uh, oh, wow. just like there's compatibility issues, it's like, oh man, that is fascinating. That like that's an issue that I guess we're that's just gonna crazy. have to run into now. Uh, General Dodonna, who was Barristan Selmy, I don't, he's not now, but very clearly not now. I mean, unless unless that yeah. actor is just like one of those dudes who's always just been old in a different wedge, wedge in a. I guess Biggs and Wedge are both characters that like seem to have taken on a life of their own just through extended universe stuff, but yeah, like, for seemingly no reason. You know, it doesn't seem like it was like an earned thing, really. Yeah, uh, people just liked them. But uh, but yeah, uh, Dennis Lawson plays Wedge yes. in uh, the rest of the movies. Who is Owen um, McGregor's yes. uncle? Uh, let's see. And it's Alex McCrindle playing uh, Dodonna. Okay. Um, you know, and it's not like there's a scene coming up that's added, but, you know, we forget about the fact that, you know, there's a shot where when Biggs dies. Yeah. Like, everybody forgets that, that was like Luke's best friend, like childhood oh, yeah. friend. I, I actually, until and, recently, like when I, when I last rewatched these, I didn't even remember that Biggs died in this. Because again, he's yeah. a character that like I keep running into an extended universe stuff, mostly Galaxy of Heroes, um, you know. Right. So I I completely forgot. Like, oh, he's dead after after this one. Or even even barring that, like Luke comes back from this battle and is just like is celebrating, and it's like, oh right, my one of my best friends died up there. But you know, right. <laughs> it's okay. Metal time. Can I? Um... Uh, let me think real hard here. Did I mention that Tatooine is one of my favorite planets in uh, Star Wars Galaxy? Um, no, not yet. I don't think I don't think you've ever mentioned that actually. <laughs> there we go. I just realized <laughs> that we didn't get our Star Wars Galaxies reference managed, in yet. There's not really my, a place uh, for it. The rest of the movie. To get my Galaxy of Heroes, but you barely managed to get your uh, Star Wars Galaxies. That's right, and yours was actually far more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I actually could have said that. Um, I think I've actually mentioned before, but in Star Wars Galaxies, when you go to the uh, Lars homestead, it's still all burnt yes. up and you know burnt out, which is a which is a nice touch. I wonder what the overall population of humans in the uh, Star Wars Galaxy is. Boy, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, considering how both the Empire and this Rebel Alliance are largely built up of humans, I wonder, like. 
how many, how like widespread they are, how prevalent of a race they seem to be. I think they're, I think they're the primary and, race and in if, the galaxy. If they are the primary race, then why? Right. I think that's the other thing. Yeah, that's like, I they, wonder what's going on there. I mean, I have a couple of books that we can read <laughs> later if you want. <laughs> If you if you want some father son time, we'll we'll talk I about want, that. I want Howard Zinn's people people's uh, history of the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> I was just gonna make a joke about the humans landing on Clandatu, and I remember that's wrong universe. <laughs> that is a planet, but the wrong nice. one. Nice. I don't like I would have been okay with this scene not being in. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't complain about any of the stuff that was actually cut. Right. Like it, there was probably a reason. I'm not exactly I mean it's cool but I don't it doesn't really help the movie. Yeah. Any. I like how we've gone from this to like the newer um X-wings where there's like arms that come down and pull them up. Yes. Yeah. It seems like one of those scenes that's built as opposed to like taking five minutes to load them up. It seems like it was just an improvement that at some point somebody must ask like, wait, why are we doing this? Yeah. I love again, like this whole visceral thing where you've got, you know, you're fueling them up, you're flipping switches, you're, you know, moving things around, Mm -hmm. you know, you're unscrewing stuff. It's like, it feels real. People are, coming up into their cockpits through uh through ladders and not some other means. Yeah. Right. Oh god, can you imagine the the like heat coming off of those things? It must no. be awful. <laughs> like I've never thought about it, but I bet it's so there's uh, a, I bet there's it's a dude standing not too terribly far behind. This is a cool shot. I don't mind this addition. Yeah. That's that's kind of a I like that a little better than just the dots taking yeah, off. Yeah, it's weird um having that short of a musical cue. Yeah. It's just a little jarring to go from that to then a cut. I love this shot. This shot brings me back to a kid playing Rogue uh, Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Yeah, this is a nice addition, although I'd like to see it. I think it could look so good now with what they could do. Yeah. Porkins. <laughs> I I think we even forgot to mention back in Rogue One uh, the death of a uh, Rogue Five or of Red Five. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, didn't how do you feel about that then? That they did you um, mind it like it, it was a little on yeah. the nose. <laughs> it, it was a little on the nose. Like you could have you could have done without it, mm-hmm. and I would have never noticed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It, it was one of those things. It's kind of like what you were talking about with like bringing the effects to the forefront just to show that it's yeah. there. Like I could have, I would have just assumed that he died in the yeah. battle. Oh, I love these, uh, these like World War II style artillery cannons. Yeah. Because it, it looks just absolutely like a, a AA gun. Or one of the flat cannons out of uh, and I like um, one of the World Wars. I like how they heat up, yeah, and, and like you know they've got the the steam blast at the end, or you know coming out the back yeah. of it. 
I wonder what the actual, I mean, I, I, I do like that we do get these cutaways into uh, the Death Star and seeing, like, some of the effects of what's happening outside. Like, not a ton, but, you know, you'll get those little, like, rocks, or there'll be, like, a small, like, explosion or something. Yeah, right. And, uh, by the way, I, I lied. Uh, that absolutely was Dennis Lawson uh, playing Wedge yeah. there. <laughs> oh, I, I thought that you admit that earlier. Sorry, because I was, I was looking at, like, a cast list a second ago. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I just saw him and I'm like, that really does look like Dennis mm-hmm. Lawson. So scratch what I said. People are screaming their ears off at this point. But I, uh, I, uh, one of ahead. the, no, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say one of the great things about Lost Stars because they, Claudia Gray sets it up perfectly where the main characters end up in these major parts in the trilogies, right. kind of in the background. But, um, this is one of those bits that I really uh, appreciate in Lost Stars. They talk about the battle a little bit and how, uh, like, one of the main characters, their academy, like, um, flatmate was, like, on the Death Star. Right. And, like, a bunch of, like, their friends from the, the academy were there and, and end up, you know, dying in it. And it's, like, kind of that everybody kind of glances over the fact that what did I say? We say it was, it was like 1.2 million or something yeah. that were on board. Yeah. Like a fairly large and, number. Uh, we, we as an audience like move past that very quickly is like a, is like a celebration that the, yeah, we beat the bad Same guys. Same thing though, where we like to just completely move past this. Like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a planet gone. Right. Right. Yeah. But, um, I like how it deals with, especially on the Imperial side, like the, uh, the after math of of the battle and and what the empire on the ground level thinks of like basically all of their friends being yeah. killed i i like that a lot yeah definitely if uh clerks was remade today there might be uh even more of a take on that yeah 1.7 million man good thing that there's not large chunks of debris Fine, read through that explosion. See, again, like, I love how all these various ships have got, like, different sounds to them. Yeah. You know, and I also like the game plan, too, where it's like, Gold Squadron is going to make the trench mm-hmm. runs because they're the bombers, and Red Squadron's going to f- fly cover yeah. and everything else. And, uh, you know, Vader is like, no. I see what you're doing. And he's like, we're going to, you know, him and his escort's going to go take care of them. Like, let them deal with that. We're going to go take care of the dudes in the trench. I like that sense of, of tactics that, that, um, I keep wanting to say Anakin, but you know, basically Vader yeah. has, uh, this was a level that, uh, actually I got stuck on in rogue squadron for about a year and a half. It's also Seriously? the first level. Barring the train oh. level, so there was there was a solid like year and a half where I couldn't play Rogue Squadron because I would I would like load it up, I would make an attempt, and I would hit usually the trench run, and I would screw up somehow, and I would have to die and start over, and so um yeah there was there was a solid like year and a half where I just I couldn't play it, and then it I'm so impressed that you continue oh, to yeah. try, and then it eventually hit a point well because it was also back in the day when it's just like well a new game's gonna be like 
you know, 30, 40 bucks. There's not a ton of them. So you're yeah. just going to have to make do with what's out. That And there weren't really, like, a huge number of releases, it felt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I remember playing that, that level then several times. And when I could beat it, it was like, oh, yeah, but this was easy the whole time. Like, why, why didn't I not do this sooner? I would go through, like, the yeah. whole thing, barring the very end, with, like, my S-foils still uh, uh, locked in, like, the non-attack position or whatever. <laughs> and just, like, boost my way through the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah, no, this is nothing. This does, like, at this point, it does kind of feel like a war movie, though. Yeah. It does have that, like, World War II, like, we're gonna, you know, attack Tokyo kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where this kind of, like, last-ditch effort, like, you know, final attempt type deal. Yeah. Although it does, like, it, I do feel like there's, like, some variable geometry there as far as, like, how wide that trench really is. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it seems cavernous that you can fit two, you know, two ships next to it. And then when you look at, like, first person, it's like, there's not a lot of room here. It's pretty yeah. tight. But then, like, there, it's, like, huge. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder how these uh, charging computers work. I don't know. Or what, uh, there's a bit where, like, Vader's fiddling with the, uh, that flight control yeah they do that a lot even on these too they they'll do it to adjust it in it um i like it because i like twisting knobs it, it just adds that little bit of like oh here's a little bit of something extra yeah yeah it does uh again makes the universe feel a little lived in like i don't know if he's like uh tuning the sensors or like attuning the uh you know like the angle or the width of the scanning beams. Like, I, I don't know, but yeah. I like it. It's just, it adds a little bit extra rather than like, oh yeah, no, you're just watching a person sitting still in a, in a ship. Right. Oh. Rip. Lamagoulis. On the plus side, added a little bit of color to the Death Star. <laughs> I do like to um you know you kind of see why they only have like I think what is it 30 ships I think they attack yeah. with and you kind of see how their fleet really takes a hit in the battle of scarif yeah and of course you know admiral radis's flagship gets taken out so that's why there's no um, there's no like, capital ships being put forward. Yeah, there's no like capital ships there, and which would look kind of bad. Yeah, if you too. had like a large capital ship and you had wings of fighters being launched from them. Yeah, it would look cool, but it's yeah. fine. Yeah, I don't mind, especially like given the additional context of Rogue One. It's uh, it's not terrible. Yeah. There is a um a line where somebody I don't remember if it's Biggs or somebody says they're they're coming in quick faster this time and it's because uh, originally Luke actually had two trench runs mm-hmm. and uh they cut it down to the one. 
Yeah, which feels better than go. like, okay, there's no way that they're going to allow for three separate runs or something. Yeah. I love the music mm-hmm. here because it's like the tension is insane. It just like ramps it See, up to the end. And it's degree. even more when you're playing a uh, Rogue Squadron and this music's coming through as you're approaching the end of the trench run. Uh, and like, hey, my best the buddy camera just died. backs out a bit so you can see like Vader right on your tail. Yeah. Like, God, that game was just so well designed. Yeah. It will be the one nice thing about when we, uh, we wrap up on Star Wars so I can stop raving about all the Star Wars games I've played. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure like the audience is probably more than done with like, look, I don't care how many, how many months it took you to get Wampa. I don't care. Yeah, I guess the, the moral of this entire thing is uh, play Galaxy of Heroes and play uh, Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah, Galaxy of Heroes, you might be able to take a skip on. Also try uh, Jedi Fallen Order, because that's Cause worth Galaxy it, Galaxy of Heroes has got some stuff right now. Like, I, I stopped yeah. playing just because the grind got too bad. Like, to get Jedi yeah. Revan, you need, like, all this other shit. And then to get Darth Revan, you need all this other shit. It's, it's just too much. Um. R2 there is, instead of looking blue, it's black because of the conflict with the green screen we were talking about in last right. episode. They desaturated it so that he wouldn't fade out in the green and the blue mm-hmm. screen. Um, how did you feel? You probably don't remember when R2 gets shot. Um, yeah, definitely not. As a kid, I don't think I was as affected. Maybe a little bit, but I definitely don't remember for sure. I think I was really sad. I just can't remember. <laughs> This one was always a like, oh hell yeah! Although seeing yeah. basically the one Thai pilot be the reason why uh, Vader gets fucked. That is like, you have to imagine that you got off lucky by like crashing your ship, dude, because he would have snapped your neck exactly. with the force. And then, of course, as a kid, I always assumed like, oh yeah, he was dead until you know we put in the next VHS, and it's like, okay, he's not. Yeah. I like that um, shot of the uh, proton torpedoes going in because you can see the blast marks from the previous. Oh yeah, see, I didn't notice that before. There, yeah, there's a big black scorch mark next to the port. Uh, which do you, do you prefer, um, this movie's trench run or like the episode six exhaust port run? The episode yeah. six. Yeah, uh, I, the, everything about episode six battle I like. Uh, better. I I would say episode six was my favorite battle until Rogue One. Yeah, like they just did everything. I mean, obviously, it's not you know any slap. I mean, the technology was just so much better, yeah. right? But um, you know, everything about that I loved. Just how everything moved. You know, the track, how the shots were set up, the tracking shots. I like going through the. I like the, um, it's like far more claustrophobic in the, uh, exhaust port. Or yeah. Cause the, you get uh, all these, like this, like, these, was that an exhaust port? Yeah, I think so. All this, all this like yeah. piping and everything coming through with these beams, like half finished and whatnot. Right. I love Han Solo's. Yeah. There. Cause he's doesn't like the attention. Doesn't like being the hero. And he would and, rather be anywhere you know, else. I would love to just get one of those belts. 
with the holster. I mean, just like having that that secondary belt come down. I don't even need the, the actual holster on it that uh, Han's wearing. You can probably make one. I bet you can find. Oh, I'm absolutely certain I could. Some this music. Yeah. yeah. My God. Yeah, it's just it's great. I can't tell you, like, I, you know, I was talking about having the, the, the records. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I played this. Yeah. Up. C-3PO is so shiny. I know, right? It's finally all clean. I do remember, like, the feeling as a little kid being so excited when they showed uh, R2-D2. Yeah. yeah, seeing that he's still I do remember that. I like this little, like, yeah. that he does. <laughs> Like, it's great seeing these little droids get so excited. Yep. Yeah, R2-D2 is, like, probably by far my, one of my favorite characters, period. And there's, uh, there's Chewie yelling out in, uh, Wookiees, where the fuck's mine? Yeah. (laughs) This is some bullshit. Yeah, I think, like, in one of the expanded, like, canon books, or maybe even the new canon books or something, they talk about him getting his metal later or something but sorry chewy we only we only had enough uh we only had enough materials to press two metals i think i saw i think it was a new rockstars video again where they were talking about easter eggs and he was showing some panels from a comic that was talking about and chewy would get his but he would have to put it up put it on himself because uh something about the princess not being tall enough to, to like put it on him or something some corny thing like that shit, he it's can like, kneel what <laughs> it's like what it's so yeah. bad in like r2 probably i think someone had said that uh he should get like basically like a purple heat pump or something for being a, a wounded <laughs> wounded dread warrior oh yeah right uh special photog- uh, photographic effects supervisor john dykstra he uh i believe designed the motion control cameras that made all of the uh ship stuff uh possible mm-hmm. uh him and lucas did not get along at all i can imagine uh in fact i want to say he hired somebody to come in to finish stuff and like gave them like a fraction of a point right. we mentioned that I think, in, the, just... in the previous um episode that we did uh, where he did, yeah, like, they uh, did not get along at all. Yeah, there was a there's a great bit in the in the uh, in the how Star Wars conquered the universe where they were talking about like ILM was like behind, like the like baby ILM was like behind on a lot of stuff because it was a lot of dudes just kind of sitting around smoking pot and <laughs> <laughs> just like doing their thing yeah. apparently. you think about it like you talk about like how important the cinema lucas is like that's another um another way that lucas changed cinema is ilm like putting that group together and forming that Yeah, i don't know where we would be without that i i don't know i don't know because ilm is responsible for like just like everything in the modern era as far as effects goes yeah. really oh let's see i mean i think it would be really dumb but uh to to ask but uh how do you feel about this one 
Dude, do you, do you think that maybe you like it? I, I mean, I don't know. You seem really iffy at some points. I um, I like it a yeah. little bit. Just, just I mean, there's there's some there's some good moments at least. Yeah, yeah. A few. I mean, um, I, you know, I think I've touched about. I think I've touched on it before, but like the second half of the movie, like oh, absolutely. Like after that first like the, hour or so. Yeah the um, the Tatooine stuff. Uh, I'm not. I, I you know I feel like it's really slow. There's. When you like, as as far as the story goes, like there's so much world building, there's so much character introduction, there's so much stuff that happens that you couldn't do without it. Yes. But for me, like the excitement starts at Moss Eisley spaceport. I was about to say, like as soon as they hit Moss Eisley, that's when I'm like, okay, yeah. cool, we're we're good. Because as soon as we get into that cantina and we see other races, like okay, now this feels like we're in we're in a Star Wars universe. Right. Yeah, and, and once they get on the Falcon, they start going. It's like, to me, it's just nonstop from that point. Right. You know, let's go. And, and to be honest with you, and we'll touch on this in a couple of weeks, but um, I, I feel the same way a little bit about uh, Jedi as well. Yeah. Like, this stuff on Tatooine, to me, is a little slow, and I'm Yeah, and, and tell about, uh, about the end of the barge, that's when it's like, okay, now we're, we're yeah. kind of picking up some pace here. Yeah, I'm like, okay, now we're getting, you know, we're kind of getting into it. So, uh, yeah, what about you? Um, I mean, yeah, still like it. Uh, I don't actually mind Tatooine as much. Like, I'm okay with it. I can find enough things that I at least enjoy within it to be like, okay, yeah, I can keep going. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, when I had to reach up, like, oh, wow, it's already like 54 minutes in. It was like, oh, it doesn't feel like I've been watching this for 54 minutes. It feels like it's been maybe like 20 to me. Right. Um, you know, there's there's enough stuff, and even when there's when it slows down, I can still like there's a lot of really gorgeous like scenery shots. Yeah. Um, as always, there's like some things about like special edition changes that, as I get older and can look at it with a bit more of a critical eye, I'm not as into. Um, right. Like we said before, having all this stuff crossing the camera and so on, but um, I don't know, man. Like, there's some films that I I can be like, oh yeah, well, you know. Even if I don't like this, I, I still appreciate it for its its value in in cinema or something. But this is one I'm like I can I can actually enjoy this and appreciate it for its value. That's yeah. really nice for me because it's not always the case. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting. We didn't really get into like a, a whole lot of it as much as I wanted to, just because I didn't I, I couldn't get my notes uh, from the book. But you know this movie like it it's like on the, the like the ass hair of a miracle that yeah. this movie got made you know there is like if you haven't yet people listening you should read chris taylor's how star wars conquered the universe because he really gets into the stuff i love the most is like leading up to like how it was developed and the, the history of george and this movie like had everything running against it there was even issues when they got like when they got to like tunisia and there was like uh, some I don't remember if it was rain or a sandstorm that like wiped out the sets. Yeah, you know, which just increased the workload. There was there was even like stuff down to like, um, you know, one of the reasons I think they shot in England was the fact that versus the pound, we you got like double your dollar worth, right? Dollars worth, and then the value of the dollar started dropping, like the pound started going up in England, and 
like Gary Kurtz had to find a way to like shave a half a million dollars off the budget at one point because they were just losing money just based on the value of the dollar. Yeah. And, you know, and that's not even taking into effect like just the logistics of what they were building and what they were, you know, uh, you know, what they were creating and what they were shooting, the stuff that had never been done before as far as effects and, you know, everything else. You know, throw that into the, into it, you have kind of a, a less experienced director who wasn't quite actor friendly that had difficulty sometimes like relaying what he wanted. Um, you know, what, what he could see, he was always seeing the spectacle and less of the like interactions between actors, you know? Yeah. You know, and difficulties between him and the, the, um, the British crew and, you know, and, and just like put into that, the fact that like the studio, didn't believe in this either yes you know one of the reasons that it you know basically got made was who we knew and the fact that like american graffiti was like such a huge hit yeah um you know it's one of the famous you know stories but like you know the merchandising thing you know they didn't think that they were going to make shit in merchandising so they gave him control of the merchandising even though i believe fox got like half the money it wasn't like i'd always led to believe that he got all of the money and all the control yeah because that's why i was led to believe as well yeah, it, it wasn't quite that, but, you know, they didn't believe it. So they, you know, they worked into the contract, too, that he had sequel rights. Um, you know, control the sequels if he made a, a movie within a certain amount of years, you know, yeah. which they learned to gr- regret because, you know, when it became such a huge hit, it did. You know, they wish they would have had more control than they did. But, um, you know, there was even a story. I'm not I can't get I can't remember the details, but there was a. a um they had such little faith that they were making arrangements with like a German finance company that would take the rights over to star Wars. You know, they basically would sell it to this. um, Oh, like I I don't want to call it a shell company, but it's like a German film company that basically they dump their stuff off on to like reduce their losses. Yeah. And like, they were like on the verge of selling star Wars to this German finance company because they didn't think it was going to do anything. And like, it only opened in, something like 77 theaters or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Like it was just all of this stuff that, you know, that was up against it. It had like one ad taken out in LA and like the, like page five or something when it was playing at the, um, Chinese theater or something. I don't remember exactly, but it was like every single, it, it was like, if you want to think about the wills or you want to think about the force, like the force knew it was there, but you were going to earn it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it was just a, it was something that had just everything writing against it. Yeah, and it ended up being, like, you know, one of the biggest game changers in cinema, I think. Yeah. You know, between this and, and Jaws, because you can't just claim it's it's just this, but, you know, they say this and Jaws created the summer blockbuster. Yeah. You know, um, just well, science fiction in, in general, like, special effects, like, storytelling, like, you just you know you name it and this just changed the game really yeah i mean like you and i've been discussing um trying to figure out what we want to do for 99 right and we're discussing like whether or not we want to do matrix or blair witch and you know both of those i think did for their genres of sci-fi what uh or their their eras of sci-fi what star wars did to it well you know blair Witch not for sci-fi but for horror but, you know, right. like it, it became the thing that's like, genres. yeah, this is the standard for where we want to be. This is the style that we're trying to set. Uh, you know, these are the blends that we're trying to, to, to make these trends that are 
were that wind up emerging largely because of like the success of one thing. Right. Right. Exactly. It's just, I, you know, I, uh, you know, well, I don't know. I'm just going to end up repeating myself about, you know, <laughs> how, how important it it was, but it, it really was. And it's awesome. Yeah. You know, it, there's a, I don't know. There's a, this is so cliche, but there's a magic about it. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a reason why when you take a look at, you know, like the se- the prequels that were to come, like most people would watch this over any of the prequels any day, despite yeah. the fact that it had a fraction of the budget was made, you know, 20 years or whatever. Well, it's it's like before. It's, it's slower, you know, it, it's uh, the special effects maybe aren't as like as good as say like a, in an episode three or something, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that make it, um, I don't know, like a little bit older, right. Then, then yeah. that you can tell, but at the same time, there's something like that, like you just said, that's just kind of like magical that just draws you to come watch this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a combination. It's the actors. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean Harrison I, Ford I is fantastic. Carrie Fisher oh my is, God just absolutely it's the brilliant. characters yeah you know it's the characters it's the dialogue even though like lucas isn't a, a dial you know he has always said like he's not a writer you know in fact when he was going to film school he wanted to avoid the writing classes period mm-hmm. and you know when he wanted to work on stuff after school and and like i think it was francis ford coppola who was like no go to screenwriting writing so, class like you and, um, need to be a writer out of curiosity what did he prefer seeing himself as just it seems like he's got such a difficulty in directing and being so uncomfortable in directing uh what what like I, was his goal do you think i i think he just wanted to be a director okay you know i think that that's what you know he he didn't like he found writing to be um like he had a lot of anxiety in writing right it wasn't comfortable. He hated it. He hated the, um, you know, it was one of those things. Like I, I feel this myself a lot. You can see things in your head. Yeah. But it's impossible but like to like spending the, the 12 hours in a day of like getting down those 20 pages on a script, mm-hmm. you know, all of those details, like he, you know, he hated that, but, but Coppola was like, no, you need to like, you need to like you need to be able to put that on on page it's not an, it, on the page it's not enough just to see in your head like you need to be a writer too if you really well, want this even to... that as like a director it like it's it would help so much in describing like this is my vision for this thing if you've got the vocabulary to communicate it right right yeah and um but but yeah i mean despite that um you know the dialogue's pretty snappy Yes. This is where this is a movie that proves like less is more. Yeah. Like its charm comes from the fact that it couldn't spend twenty million dollars on effects. Yeah. So you, you went up having to like work around that, things as best you can. Right. It's the fact that you know, uh, uh, you know, x amount of dollars per minute of film. You know, you can't go two and a half hours. Like, you know, you need to get through the scene in x amount of time. You know, it needs to be. You know. You know, you always hear trim the fat, trim the fat. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it, but I, I want to say 
that so much of that too was the collaborative effort. A lot of it has to do with the, with like George's ex-wife. Yeah, it it has a um, lot to do with the people that he surrounded himself with. Right. Um, to say that yeah, that it was it's his... entirely uh, Lucas's thing would be, I mean, a, a pretty grievous mistake, especially based off what we see in the prequels. Right. Uh, so right. much of Star Wars' success, uh, like rested on the the people who um who who worked on it outside of outside of Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, you had people that were willing to you know fight back Marsha was his wife who was also one of his editors yeah and you know she could say like no that's not you know you had some of the actors going eh. and he had you know a lot of his filmmaking uh film school buddies surrounding him and they were taking a look at stuff and giving feedback etc yeah and you know I think there's and I think we'll see this in the next two movies too that there was a little bit more of a collaborative effort um, going on it wasn't just solely him yeah where i feel like at least in stuff that i've seen and read that with the prequels like he was in a position where people just people wanted his adoration so bad yeah. that you were never gonna say no because you never wanted the creator pissed at you you wanted to be like you know you wanted you wanted that stamp he carried around yeah with him you wanted him to stamp your artwork or your work or whatever like i i don't know like it it's just uh this is proof that sometimes a lower budget and time constraints and adversity will create a far better product product i think absolutely so yeah so that was star wars episode four a new hope um one of my favorites yeah, absolutely. It's one that I, I think I can definitely really come back to and rewatch several times. Yeah, it's I think it's it's hard to hard to be critical sometimes because it is like one of those very like few things in life can you point back towards and say like that's singularly like a life changing moment per se. Yeah. Or maybe a life defining moment where you know you can go back and say yeah, Star Wars it was such a huge focus of childhood or life etc and that's where it all started yeah you know thanks for listening thanks for hanging out with us um if you haven't yet go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us that's would help greatly if you haven't subscribed yet why haven't you and how did you find us what are you doing with your life please tap that button and make us a part of your weekly life journey yes it would help us greatly yeah, share us with your friends, share us with your enemies, share us with your family members that you argue with all the time uh, at dinner or at family events. If you you know really want to get under the skin, go for it. Yeah, I don't think we said anything controversial yet about Star Wars, but I'm sure we'll manage to. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure me screwing up Dennis Lawson is enough to get at least some of your sweaty uh, relatives upset. Or, you know, you just point them to the prequel stuff and like whenever I'm calling Yaddle Yordle, I'm sure it will give them an aneurysm. It will be great. You want to kill that uh, that like um, Star Wars nerd who's been harassing you on Twitter? Send him our way. They'll hear Yordle and their uh, blood vessel in their brain will just burst, and you'll I be like done it. with it. We're, we're weaponizing ourselves. Exactly. It's these are weaponized audio waves for uh, <laughs> uh, against against uh, Star Wars nerdum. I guess that's right. That's right. You can check us out on social media at Twitter at NobsPod N O W B S Pod. Um, yeah. All right. Knobheads, go take somebody to a movie this week.
There's some good stuff coming out. Yeah, I'm I'm going to see if I can't catch like Parasite or something, maybe. There you go. All right, guys, take care. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.